<laughs> What's the matter? <laughs> hey guys, brand new podcast. Keep that little giggle of hers in. I love her giggle. Uh, I'm home for a second, and then I'm back out on the road. Tampa this weekend, West Palm, Vegas, then uh, New Orleans, Austin, and Dallas. The Body Shots World Tour has been a blast. I want to thank everyone who came out this past weekend. It's just been so much fucking fun. I've been loving it. My weight's been a little out of control, but tour bus living's a little rough. I haven't been able to work out the way I'd like to. I, I went for a jog in New Orleans, or no, in uh, in Atlanta, and I fell. You did? Yeah, I tripped. On what? Uh, just to... Your feet? Yeah, technically. Oh, bummer. And so, uh, but it's, I've been trying to get it in. Um, I'm vegan this week. It's not a big deal. It's <laughs> so stupid. It's, we just had one of the worst meals I've ever I'm, had in my life. It was so bad. It was it so ate, bad. A, it looked like dog food. B, I've never had dog food, but it was probably the texture it of dog food. It looked like dog food. food. It definitely was like if you had if you had heated dog food up in a casserole. Uh, if you just, yeah. But I mean, you know. Listen, I got to give a shout out to all the vegans because I know how much shit you get. <laughs> Because I've been getting trashed on for being vegan for 24 hours. And I got to be honest with you. It's, first of all, it is a, it is a morality cho- choice. It's not a light, it's not a health choice. No one's going vegan for to be healthier. They're doing it because they love animals and they don't want to hurt animals. Yeah, I believe that's it's right. It's been opening my eyes. I, t- I told uh, my buddies today, you know, this is how I go about comedy. You know, like by... Uh, immersion. Immersion, yeah. I, the machine story and fucking fighting a bear and jumping out of a plane with Rachel Ray and fucking my gun bit right now, going ziplining with you guys. This is how I do it. I just found a picture of us ziplining. With the... The four yeah. of us. It was pretty cute. Oh. But uh, but I'm just a... You know, look, to be honest with you, I'm kind of a curious person and I like shit like that. I like little small challenges. I got to give a shout out to Vance Hines. Vance Hines is 257 today no way he is he's 257 literally within spitting distance of my weight right now that's amazing i know he wants to do the race to 200 him and uh Di- we i have a podcast with uh diamond dallas page and vance hines that'll be coming out shortly uh but it is in the tour bus i forgot to bring the fucking chip with me but um we did it in atlanta at the tabernacle downstairs Really great podcast. The audio is a tad bit off. Sorry, Halston. You'll have to fix that. But uh, but yeah, he's fucking doing great. And I know that. I know that the big joke is he's going to be skinnier than me. But it's not a joke. He's really put in the work. No way, right? He's really put in the work, and I got to give it to him. Like yeah, that totally. is fucking amazing. Yeah, it is. He's amazing. killing it. He's come. I I'm using his him as inspiration this week as I'm trying to eat healthier. Look at that full circle. Aw, you inspired him. Now he's inspiring he's you. Definitely inspired. He looks so good, Leanne. He does. I walked out of the bathroom <laughs> at the tabernacle. I was taking a shit. Shitting hasn't been regular on the tour bus. I so, know, because uh, it's not allowed. I was walking out of the green room in the tabernacle and, and uh, I saw him and I didn't even fucking recognize him. I mean, I didn't even recognize him at all. He's losing like 10 pounds a day. No. Yeah, like he lost... He was two. But how's he doing that? He was two seventy five like a week ago. He's seven pounds down this week. Seven pounds down this week. What's he doing? Is he just, just he eating just, like he, lean? He's doing DDPY. What's D- DDPY? Diamond D- Dallas Page Yoga. Diamond Dallas Page Yoga. What is that? It's d- the way DDP does yoga is a little different. It's a really interesting. I'm telling you, I, the podcast you're gonna be wait, interested in. Wait, why does he? Maybe do... I don't listen enough to be able to explain to you what that is. You know me. Oh, you suck. I, it's it's kinetic energy, 
along with muscle toning and it's Diamond Dallas Pages. That's why I do the podcast so he can tell me. Well, I thought you did the podcast because Diamond Dallas Page was an inspiration for for, for Vance. Vance. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly why we did. But it. I didn't know it was because he did yoga. Yeah, that that's. I'm sorry, you thought he was just into the wrestler. Yeah. No, babe. Diamond Dallas Page. No, has, not because he's wrestling. I thought maybe Diamond Dallas was some kind of like inspirational speaker at this no, point in baby, his life or something like that. that. I didn't know that he did yoga. So I did listen more than I guess you thought I did. Diamond Dallas Page is You're the changing one that said you listen didn't to listen. Me, just stop. Yeah, but you're the one that said you didn't listen. I didn't say that. You did. I didn't listen to the type of yoga techniques he teaches. Okay. Exactly. I know a little bit, but Diamond Dallas Page, you're fucking killing me. You're killing me. You're killing me. <laughs> your your liver's flaring now because you're getting angry. <laughs> you know what the lady told me today about your liver? Stop. Stop. <laughs> Not your liver. A person's liver. Yeah. You know what she said? Was that animals, animals in life can get rid of fear and anxiety. They do it in a very kind of physical way. Like if an animal's being chased by a predator and it gets away, it like shakes and, you know, gets it out of its body. And you know how humans are supposed to do that? I don't know. Laughing, screaming and laughing. And we don't find that laughing loud and obnoxiously is very socially accepted so no one does it anymore but i do i like to laugh loud and uh not appropriately diamond dallas page started <laughs> a a whole accountability camp where he saved the life of jake the snake roberts no way i wish you would let me tell this instead of your liver rant right now no i'm i'm sorry the no way had nothing to do with my liver rant boy no. you are blaming no i'm not blaming you I'm, are blaming no i'm not blaming you're not letting things go I'm, just let it go i'm gonna fucking i'm gonna lose my goddamn <laughs> shit right now I, i'm gonna spiral out hey you're not diamond dallas page what, I, what i'm trying to tell you about is vance but i didn't know that he saved jake the snake how yeah, it's a, with his yoga yes the biggest problem a lot of those guys wrestling had is back problems, mobility problems. Right. And Diamond Dallas Page got, uh, had his L5 and L4, I guess. Yeah. Were busted and they wanted to fuse Ooh. them together. And he said, no. And they said, you'll never wrestle again. And he got into yoga within three weeks. He noticed a change. Right. And so he decided that if he noticed a change, he could kind of modify it to help guys like him. Wrestlers. Yeah. And so he did, um, uh, fuck. One of the uh, uh, Razor Ramon uh -huh. and Jake the Snake, uh -huh. and he and he's done a lot of guys. These vets that come back with PTSD, both both arms and crutches, over three hundred fifty pounds. He brings them down to like two fifteen, two ten. Are you talking about like army vets? Army, okay. yes, yeah, not veterinarians. I I thought you, no, I thought you meant like wrestling vets. No, no, yeah, no vet, vets from war. Okay. And you'll hear all this on the podcast. I don't mean to recap the podcast, but. That's Diamond Dallas preview. Page, when Vance saw me run the half marathon, Diamond Dallas Page uh, saw the story and kind of reached out and Vance's big thing to himself was that he's never going to say no anymore. He was saying no his whole life. Mm. He's going to start saying yes. That's he amazing. Know, he knew Diamond Dallas Page as a wrestler, but he didn't know much about what he was doing and he just said yes. And DDP texts him every day. They talk about what they eat, accountability. And, uh, and I mean, this transformation really is, I mean, 
I obviously, you know me, I'm a fucking self-promoting whore. I'll always say that I was his inspiration, but this is all credited to Diamond Dallas Page. He's, by the way, that's not the podcast we're doing no, today, No, actually, people. it's credited to Vance. It's credited to Vance. Because he kept saying yes. You know, Didi, there's. I don't want to just, I want you guys to hear that podcast, and it's going to be coming out shortly, but it really is a fan. I mean, at the very beginning, I started crying. I mean, it really, what this guy's done for his own life. He saved his own life. That's amazing. Yeah, it really is amazing. What a simple shift in paradigm, too, to decide I am no longer going to be a no guy and I am now going to be a yes guy. That's such a simple shift in paradigm that could change your whole life. Since we're talking about accountability. <laughs> such a jerk. What? Because now you're mad at me. Because I'm not mad I at you. took the liver to the next level. <laughs> Let's talk about accountability. It's not too late to kick off your new year. Stay on track and meet those resolution goals. Lose some weight. Sticking to a late weight loss plan can be really hard. I know that for a fact. Will you stop laughing through my fucking read? <laughs> How you can handle the obstacles, the thoughts, all the things that hold you back from making progress. Most people that lose weight gain it all back. I am fucking case in point to that. I lost like 20 some odd pounds in sober October, and I have definitely put it back on, and I'm struggling with it right now. But here's the deal. Try Noom. With Noom, you lose all the guilt and learn how to develop a new, healthy relationship with food. Different results call for a different approach. Don't just diet. Learn not to diet. Build new, better habits for the new year's. Recognize changes. Habits blocking your success. Weight loss is in the palm of your hand. Literally, it is in this phone, in this app. Whenever, wherever you are, it is, we're all busy as shit. All Noom asks for is 10 minutes a day. With Noom, you personalize your training, your support team for less than the price of a single appointment with the nutritionist or trainer. Your goal specialist is a behavior change professional nutrition expert, fitness trainer, all rolled into one. A community that's there for you with group discussions with fellow new members to keep you encouraged. Track your meal habits, visualize your portion sizes, see calorie density at a glance. Noom doesn't say you can't have certain foods, aka the good stuff like Nutter Butters. It teaches you about moderation. When you go a little, little overboard, like I did this weekend on the road, there is absolutely no shaming. Just tips on how to get back on track. Easy 30-second online evaluation shows you how much weight you can lose and keep it off. Right now, my listeners can change their life because Noom is designed for results. Meet these resolutions by signing up for your trial at Noom.com slash BurtCast. What do you have to lose? Visit Noom.com dot com slash burtcast to try your trial today again that is noom n-o-o-m dot com slash burtcast start losing weight for good this podcast is also brought to you by the freshest teeth in the business Ooh. quip quip is absolutely fu fucking fantastic it's a toothbrush that has a little cover on the top what are you laughing at now why are you fucking with me? Why are you fucking with me? Nothing, nothing. I'm sorry. I love that Quip toothbrush. It's what really were you great. laughing at? <laughs> I just pulled this card out of here and read it, and I misread it. And I got what did it say? Really what did you think it said? I got really confused. What did you think? I got really, really confused. I'm kind of embarrassed. What did you think it said? It says, would you... <laughs> I'm not going to read it. 
So I have this books of car- this this thing of cards. So if I ever get stuck in my podcast, they're called table topics. <laughs> yes. So I can just pull a card and ask a question. I've never needed them, but yeah. it's like my parachute, right? So I just pulled this card that said, <laughs> "Would you be more afraid to be trapped on a rape bridge?" <laughs> it's a rope. I was like, what's a rape bridge over a canyon or a dark, cramped cave? And I was like, what's a rape bridge? I had to read it twice. And I'll go with the rape bridge. So stupid. So I apologize, Quip, sorry. for that, that interstitial. Sorry, Quip. This podcast is also brought to you by Quip. One of the healthiest things you can do for your entire life is brush your teeth, but brush your teeth properly with an electric toothbrush created and designed by, design, by, by dentists. I'm, I'm, by dentists? Yeah, by dentists. It's an awesome toothbrush. It really I love is. Mine. Yeah. It was made to make brushing your teeth more simple and affordable and even enjoyable. Here's why I love it. It's a sensitive sonic vibrating toothbrush. So I have sensitive gums. It it covers that. It's got a built-in two-minute timer that pulses every 30 seconds so you know when to switch sides. I fucking love that. You know what? I, I My quip, I put it in my backpack and I flew home with it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. And I put it back on the thing. And uh-huh. it's on the tour bus. On the mirror. And the damn freaking toothbrush I have now, I'm literally looking at my watch to brush my teeth. Yeah. Oh, you brought it home from the tour bus? Yeah, Why? Because I, I just wasn't thinking. And then Quip just hit me up and they were like, we're going to send more toothbrushes. Awesome. I know. And so I was like, oh, we thank need to God. leave one here and then leave one on the tour bus. Yeah, because it's so nice. It's, it, it has a multi-use cover. So you can cover it and throw it in your backpack or you can just push it. It's got this like weird sticky thing. Yeah. That's not tape or anything, but it sticks on the mirror. So much easier to remember to brush your teeth when you see it on the mirror. When you see it on the mirror. First it's so in the true. Morning. And the battery is inside, so when you they send you new uh, um, uh, replacement heads and a new battery. So all you do is pop the head out, dump the the battery, put a new battery, new head. It's awesome. It's super Brush easy. heads are automatically delivered on a dentist recommended schedule every three months for just five dollars. I absolutely love Quip. It helps me brush my teeth on the road. I've actually been brushing my teeth a lot more, and that's why I love Kit Quip. And they are backed by over two twenty thousand dental professionals. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash Burt right now, you get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack for free at getquip.com slash Burt. This podcast is also brought to you by Robinhood. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission-free, while other brokerages Charge up to $10 for every trade. Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees. So you can trade stocks and keep all the profits. Plus, there's no account minimum deposit needed to start. So you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections such as the 100 most popular or uh, uh, female CEOs or whatever you want. With Robinhood, you can also learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movement so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving my listeners, the listeners of the Burtcast, a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. All you got to do is sign up at Burtcast.Robinhood.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Hims. Hims is one-stop shopping for male wellness. 
It takes care of your hair. It takes care of your dick. It takes yeah. care of everything. It takes care of... Does it have like beauty products for it's men It's got too? everything. Yeah, I think so. Here's why I love hymns. 66% of the men lose their hair by 35. I am 46 years old and I still have hair. Tom Segura is turning 40. He hasn't even turned 40. He's not even 40? And he looks like that. Can you believe it? That's offensive. It's uh, it's horrific. That he's not 40 is offensive. Not the way he looks. It's almost like when he looks in the mirror, he holds his chin up so he can't see his hairline. Oh, so he it? never thought to stop it. Mm. The thing is, once you start noticing your hair loss, it's too late. It's easier to keep the hair you have than replace the hair you lost. That hairline is moving backward on you. Have a bald spot. Do what I did and jump in front of that fucking train and stop it. All you got to do right now mm -hmm. is go to hymns.com and they connect you with real doctors and medical grade solutions to treat your hair loss. Well-known generic equivalents to the name brand prescriptions that I can't say that keep your hair where you need it to be. Not the snake oil bullshit or the gas station counter supplements. Prescription solutions backed by science. You don't have to go to a doctor like I did in 1995 and go, I'm losing my hair. And then he argued with me and I said, I'm no, I'm losing my hair. And he's like, no, you're not. And I was like, okay, I, I don't understand that, but I, I feel like I am and I'd like to be prescribed. He's like, well, I don't know if that... I go, stop with the... It, it was a fight. But I got prescribed these popular hair loss remedies and I still have hair. So you have no waiting room, no awkward in-person doctor visit. So easy. All you got to do is answer a few quick questions and doctors will review and can prescribe you. Products are shipped discreetly to your door. I don't know about the discreetly part, but it is in a box. I'm sure that... I mean, it doesn't matter. But they're shipped to your door. Order well, right now. at least now. you don't have to wait in line at the pharmacy. Right? Do you need to be consulted by the, the pharmacist for the drug? Right? Order now. My listeners get a month trial of Hims for just $5 today. Right now while supplies last. See website for full details. This could cost you hundreds of dollars if you went to a doctor or a pharmacy. Go to 4 slash birdcast. That's 4 slash birdcast. F O R H I M S dot com slash Burtcast for hymns dot com slash Burtcast. Their 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 motto should be get the woman you want for the rest of your life today. Is that it? I think so. I mean, I guess gay guys want to keep their hair too, but but like that's a part of what I the reason I got in front of the hair loss thing was I didn't want I didn't I didn't was it for is, me? This is really shallow. I didn't want the woman. That would like me bald. You didn't want a woman who would like a bald man? I didn't want Aww, the woman. Oh, that's not good. I didn't want the woman that would settle for me. That's not I'm good. I'm being honest. Why can't I, I be know honest? You're be, I'm saying you're being honest and I'm saying that's would not you have, good. When you met me when I was 37, 38, 37? No. No, I was, no, what? I was 27. No, you were 20. No, I threw your 30th birthday party, so you were 29. 20, no, I was 28 when I met you, probably. I don't know. But if I was bald as fuck, would you have fallen in love with me? Probably. No, you're lying. I'm not lying. If I was as fat as I am today, would you have fallen in love with me? Uh, uh, why don't you give Diamond Dallas a call? This podcast is also brought to you by <laughs> Mercari. Is your home cluttered like mine because your wife doesn't do her wife? I beg your pardon. <laughs> you better watch it. Is your home cluttered with stuff you don't use anymore? Yes. Clothes, shoes, taking up space, valuable closet space, old phones hiding in drawers, games, toys, kids don't touch them anymore. Size 8 hats. What? Oh, I could sell some size you 8 You could hats. sell the shit out of some size 8 fucking hats. Let's do Please. that. Please. I do would that. love it. Do you think people will buy it? I don't know. Some of them may smell. 
No, I, I have a lot of new ones. I have some that, like, as soon as I wear it, they kind of. This podcast is brought to you by Macari. <laughs> I'm, I should, buy, but I'm, I'm. But now we should open a Macari thing and sell hats. those hats. Totally. I have so many size eight hats. Yeah. So many are given to me by fans that I wear a couple times, and then my head's a little bit above a size eight. So if I sweat in it at all, it shrinks and it gets tight on my head. Uh, and I like them loose. You like them loose. Apparently, all I need to do mm-hmm. is take a few simple pics mm-hmm. and a description, like, "Hey, this is Bert's hat." Mm-hmm. And boom, it's listed. Totes. Macario will even email a shipping label when it sells and ships everything. Dude, you guys can do this too. You not only can buy stuff from Macari, you can also post stuff. You take a few simple pics, add a description, and list your item. Macario will even email you a shipping label when it sells. Everything ships too, so there are no awkward meetups with a stranger. Wow. Yeah, it's wow, awesome. That's great. Totally cool. This app has over 300,000 reviews on the App Store with an average of 4.8 star rating. So why not give it a try? Over 100,000 items get listed every single day with millions of people using it in all 50 states. You can sell everything from fashion to electronics to toys to sporting goods. Let's lo- let's post some stuff on Macari. Amen, brother. Yo, you want to use this app? <clears throat> Buy some of my hats. We're going online tonight, and we're going to post some of my hats on Macari. I don't know about tonight, but we'll go you, online. T- when? For sure. I can we do, do it, it this soon. week. We got to do it soon. I'll do it this week. So that we get a so we get people go to Macari. And, I hear you. Yeah. yeah? Yeah. You can do it with your phone. Babe, it's super easy. You got okay. plenty of time. Okay. You can do it tonight then. You go ahead. Okay. You go ahead, Diamond Dallas. You can do some yoga in your hats, and then we can sell them. Don't let that stuff you used to go use go to waste. Sell it, ship it, and get paid with Macari. You can find Macari on the App Store or Macari.com. That's M-E-R-C-A-R-I, the selling app, Macari. That's so cool. Fuck yeah. All right, I'm doing the app right now. I'm going to see how easy it is. Okay. And I'm going to post these on uh, Macari, a bunch of hats. I got a bunch, a bunch of hats. So that many hats. Worn, and I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm not, this is stupid. Why is this I know stupid? Because this is ego driven. Oh, but I was really? like, I was like, what I'll do is I'll sign them and thank them. I'll sign the bottom of the hat. Yeah, you can sign thank the bill. Yeah. Why not? No big upcharge. Why is that ego driven? I don't know. I just, I don't fucking. It was a little ego driven. A little bit. A like, little bit, like, yeah. Who the fuck a little bit. I, I would so never want famous. someone to write on my hat. And oh. be like, I just want to wear the goddamn hat. Although, I did have a Braves hat with Chief Nakahoma signing it. That's racist. That Chief Nakahoma signed it? Nowadays. Yeah, that's a, a hate crime. That Chief Nakahoma would sign my hat is a hate crime? I'm joking. I love Chief Nakahoma. You can't say his name anymore. Why can't you say his name? I don't know. I mean, it's just things have changed. I'm being being overreactive. Okay, I hope so. Because he was like an icon of my childhood. I loved him. Yeah, I'm being overreactive as a joke, as a bit. Okay, I'm sorry if that's offensive that I loved a Native American character. Yeah. I mean, he was a fictitious character, obviously. Chief Chief Osceola. Is I think he was a real guy. I think he still is a real guy. Yeah, Naka Homa, probably not. Oh, that wasn't his real last name. <laughs> no, I think it was about. Oh, I just thought it was Braves like, knocking home runs. I Naka thought it was Homa. Like, I thought it was a coincidence the same way that that Lou Gehrig got Lou Gehrig's disease. Like, oh, what are the same, odds same. Of that? It's same, same. You're so smart. <laughs> I have a big event tomorrow night that is bothering me. I'm nervous about. You are nervous. Yeah. I'm just. I just don't like. It's it's hosting stuff. I haven't hosted in a long time. I'm not a good out loud reader. I need glasses when I read. Do I'm, you have glasses for those? I can't, I'm, can't wear glasses on. I can't put glasses on and off all night. Why? 
So uh, I could buy you those little things where they'll hang on your neck. And I and I okay. And <laughs> I have a I have a one a.m. flight to Tampa. It's rough, man. It's just, I really don't know how you do it. Honest to God, I don't know how I you. I thought do you were it. fucking with me. I, I'm no, I know I'm. Here's being the deal. Serious. You make hay while the sun shines. Yes, you do. And things are to. happening right now, and I'm not going to let these chances go to waste. You do have to make hay while the sun shines, but yep. you do kind of sort of need to take care of yourself. It's it's the reason I focus on all my shows. I'm not drunk on any of my shows. No, I drink on the late show. I'll have a drink, maybe on the last, maybe at like the last bit I do. I'll have a. I'll start enjoying my cocktail. And I'll have a little buzz when I tell the machine story on my late show. Mm. And I have drinks on the bus, but the tour bus has been a godsend. I love it. I'm having so much fun. We got a smoker from Rectech. Thank you, Rectech. Shout out to Rectech. Honestly, one of my favorite things is that smoker coming off stage in in uh, in Atlanta, Orlando, Orlando. And we had uh, we had dinosaur uh, beef ribs that David smoked. It was so cool. Yeah, that is yeah. really cool. Makes sense, but I'm very, very happy. I'm very lucky, and I'm very appreciative. Anyone's come to my shows. I know it means a lot to me. It really does. It's not lost on me. Look, I've said this over and over again. I think whenever you find success in your 40s, when you're you know a little older, you're a lot more appreciative, and you're not going to fuck it up. You know what my dad said? Because my dad was at your show. What's that? He told me today um, that that you almost started crying when they gave you a standing ovation. Yeah, they mean that means a lot to me. He said he got so emotional. I haven't <laughs> got. Really I never sweet. got a standing ovation my whole entire career. I got a standing ovation. Well, I don't know if that's true. It's 100% true. I remember you getting some in clubs. No, 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 no. I never got standing ovations in clubs. Nah, I, I never did. I, I'm telling you, I never did. I I promise you, I never got a standing ovation in a club. I, I got a standing ovation when I did my Netflix special. Mm-hmm. I got it for both shows, but it's also, it's a Netflix special. Mm-hmm. So you can't like hang your hat on it. Right. But when I got a standing ovation in Portland that very first night we of the tour. Yeah. It it moved me so much and I thought, you know, Aziz Ansari said something today uh, on his, there was a, an article written about him. I guess someone, he had done a private show and no one, I, I apologize that this intro is going long, but I, I hope you're enjoying enjoying it and I hope you found this part and you're going interesting and thank you to all my sponsors. But he, Aziz Ansari did a, a set, a live set and they said, um, he had just released it to two hundred dollars worth of fan, two hundred fans, and, and they had taken all cell phones. But apparently, someone had transcribed it, you know, to like put it out there and leak really? it. Really? Leak it? I guess if he had said anything wrong, they would have blasted him. And that's if he terrible. Did, there are still people that are blasting him. I think that's bullshit. Blasting him for what? For not addressing the fact that he had a weird date with a girl that the girl felt was aggressive, and oh, he didn't understand come it and on. see it. Anyway, Aziz said. At the end of my show, he he was afraid he was going to lose doing stand-up. Yeah. When this whole thing da- went down, he thought, I'd never do stand-up again. He said, you know, for a long time, I went through and I'd say, thank you so much for coming out. Good night. And he goes, and I didn't mean it. Yeah. And tonight, I mean it. Right. I'm not reflecting on what his position is in life or anything like that. All I'll tell you is I never got success when I was like 30 years old, like Aziz, where I was selling out stadiums. Right. So I never got to take it for granted. Right. I never, I when I did clubs, if I ever sold out a club, I was really grateful they came out because I was 43 years old at the time. Right. Um, I had two kids that were grow, like growing and I was away from my family a lot. I had done Travel Channel and I'd gotten all that taken away from me and it meant a lot. So when I got a standing ovation on that first show in Atlanta, 
I, I was telling Ari about this today. I went around to grab the mic stand. Yeah. So that I could grab the mic stand because I moved the mic stand out of my way. Yeah. So I could put it back and put the mic stand in it. And when I came around, everyone was on their feet and it just caught me off guard and I almost started crying. Uh, but so, yeah. Yeah. My dad said it was very moving. It was, it was very moving. It was, it, uh, he was moved that you were so moved. I'm very present in this tour. Yeah. You seem to be. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm overwhelmed, obviously, but I'm very present. I don't think you're as overwhelmed as your as your head chatter says you are. I didn't have to do this gig tomorrow. I'll be a lot I think better. it's about the gig, and I don't think it's about the tour. And the gig's not going to be that bad. It's just no, it's, it's going to be great. I got to do five minutes of stand up in you're front. You're defined, but it's just it's like all the biggest people in the touring well, realm. Well, you know, where you here's just the thing like, that you is about you is that when you have when you say you're going to do something like that. You work and work and work and prepare and prepare and prepare. But it becomes obsessive compulsive. It becomes totally, uh, completely obsessive compulsive, and then you knock it out of the park. It's your process. I just needed to go go solid tomorrow. You always. And then I got to find the biggest problem. You're not listening. You always knock it out of the park. But my biggest problem is that then. Hey, you always knock it out of the park. My gig ends. Can you acknowledge at, that I, I said yep, that you gotcha. always knock it out of the park? My gig ends at 10. And my flight's at 1. I know. I have your car picking you up at 10.30. There's a reception afterwards. So you go, you shake a few hands, you get in the car. You'd be all right. You'd be all right. It'd be great. I wish I was this for you. What? Just like grounding when you listen to me, you get so in your spiral, you don't hear anything I say. Anything I say, you just run over. So that's why I repeated it over and over again so that you would stop running over me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I wish you were this for me too. <laughs> I don't think I need it though. You know why? Because I laugh loud and often and I release all my fear out of my liver. <laughs> <laughs> when she said that today i thought i don't have that problem i have a really loud Jesus. obnoxious laugh i always have i hope you guys enjoyed this intro <laughs> this was a lengthy one right is this the longest one we've ever done no nope no <laughs> no believe me i've fallen asleep in some of them with you <laughs> she, leanne's on fire tonight right are these are you spilling some leantics onto the bird cast i am so leantical <laughs> uh, you today- know I'll tell you this <laughs> when I was on tour with you for four whole days I had so many people say my favorite part of the Burtcast is the intro so I'm just you know I'm just making it happen for you baby I'm, su- I'm just supporting you I'm making it happen I appreciate it. what uh, <laughs> I know that a lot of people are going to listen to this I know that a lot of people are going to listen to this intro because the podcast <laughs> I did today is uh, is one of the better ones I've ever done. Yeah, it's Nikki Glazer. I love Nikki Glazer. I love Nikki too. I think Nikki's vegan. Is she? I think so. Maybe. I apologize to her for the food we ate this evening. <laughs> yeah. No, I cooked. I cooked me vegan. Yeah. And then I cooked you guys regular. Yes. Thank you for doing that because yeah. I'm definitely not a vegan. I don't think she's vegan. Maybe she's just vegetarian. You know, I have a different point of view. I believe that those are prey animals. You know, they were put here by God to be prey. They were supposed to be food. So why in the world would we ever not eat them? What a horrible, right? what a horrible thing to hear if you are a prey animal. You're like, what? What the fuck? Yeah, Believe but could you okay? imagine if we never killed any chickens or, or like cows? We'd be overrun. I, I feel like you're doing this because I'm a vegan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying. 
I have a very different point of view on that than they do. I believe there's a purpose for them. I hope Nikki hears this and has a rebuttal for you. Because cows are dumb as a bag of hammers, I'll have to say. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, me and Blake Casper were driving from Gainesville to Tampa. And I said, I, said, I was being honest. I said, can you hunt cows? <laughs> <laughs> what are you, stupid? I didn't know. I just was like, I was like, do they hunt cows? I didn't no. know. He was like, yeah, Bert, they just walk up with a little bit of grass and put a gun to the side of its head. <laughs> They're not super bright critters. Uh, Tampa this weekend, West Palm <laughs> Sorry, on Nikki. Saturday, and then Vegas on Sunday. I will see you in Vegas. Vegas. Campers are going to be in yep. Vegas. And then Monday night, we're doing, Monday night, I'm coming home. I will be drunk for it. Uh, I'm giving you a heads up. I will be drunk for it, but we're doing the anniversary of Ari Shafir's storytelling show at the store. Oh, are you? It's me, Joey Diaz, Ali Sadiq, uh, Miss Pat. Miss Pat's out here. No way. I should get her on the podcast. I love Miss Pat. Do a po- let's do a podcast with Miss Pat on Tuesday. You want to? I've read half her book. Read I the rest re- of it, Rabbit. I got to read. Yeah. It's really good. I gotta, let's, I'm going to call Miss Pat and see if we should podcast It's week. really, really good, her book. Her story is incredible. What a story wow, of survival. We are singing along. What? We're, we should probably introduce the podcast. Oh, I thought you just did. It's Nikki Glazer. Hold on. There's, One of I our most tell you favorite what we people. Talked about. Okay, well, I'll tell you. She's awesome, and it's Nikki Glazer. Ta-da! Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, <laughs> Nikki Glazer. This is... All right. Okay. What was worse? Last Comic Standing or Dancing with the Stars? Oh, last Comic Standing. I haven't, talked to you, I haven't talked to you since you did Dancing with the I Stars. I know. Let's get into it. Dude, I'm obs- I, It's. Can I tell you is that I hated Last Comic Standing so much. Yeah? That process made me so anxious. How many times did you do it? Just once. Oh, wow. Just Good once for got you. to like the semifinals. Yeah, yeah. Semifinals in New York's like 40 people maybe. Or yep. 40, and uh, and I, I hated the competition. because it it's it, 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 in essence, I'm very competitive. I know you are. I, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I've, I've seen it. I'm looking at a treadmill that I watched you like beat your chest on and send threats to uh, you. That inspired me so much. That one video you had where you were sweating and you were on the treadmill. and You're like, I'm coming for you. And, yeah. I, and I've been going this long and I'm going like you had already been exercising so long and then you still had more to go. And I could see the fire in your eyes and like it inspired me. I would pull that to my the forefront of my brain when I was on a treadmill. I was like, get in that Burt space. What is that about workout videos in general that make you go, I'm fucking getting in the gym? It really works. It really does work. I was inspired by you. Oh, thank you. I, I, I really was. I, uh... I was a, it was a miscalculation, I think, in hindsight, was to taunt Joe, I think. That was a really bad move. Like, <laughs> oh, I heard word. him with you on the yeah. podcast. He's like, I'm going to fucking break him. I'm going to fucking break him. I know. I know. He didn't like that. And did, did, He genuinely did not like that. No, he didn't. And um, yeah, it, it backfired. So you yeah. lost. Oh, I came in last. How did that happen? Because I well, had you pegged. I mean, I, I know you've been over this a million times, but how did that happen? Because number, you're a winner. No, well, number one is... The last day was the sprint. For me, in my opinion, the last day was the sprint, meaning like that's where you're gonna, I'm gonna just go in and accumulate as many points on this last day. Yeah. So I had it planned out. I went to spin class in the morning, got 300 points, came back, and I come back and Georgia says to me, mm-hmm. as she's going to school, she goes, I'll see you at 11. And I went, what? 
She goes, unless you're going to come to set up. And I go, what do you mean? She goes, are you going to come set up at my school? And I oh, go, no. for oh, no. what? She goes, we have the uh, daddy daughter barbecue today. And I'm immediately my heart sank because what had happened is I'd really lost, I'd really lost sight of anything other than this contest. Like I, that's all that was, my mind was focused on this contest. Yeah. Everything fell to the wayside. Like I would get up and just go, I'd be like sitting with my wife at eight o'clock and I'm like, I'm going for a jog and I jog 10 miles. And I just, I, it, it was, I'd really lost sight of anything. And as soon as she said that, I was like, I immediately, I was like, I lost. I texted Tom. I was like, I texted all of them. I said, gentlemen, I am out. Uh, I am, I'm not working out again today. I have a daddy daughter day and it's, and I, I'm not going to go do that. And then the whole time be thinking I need to get out of here so I can run again. And I, so I go, I can't do it. You'd rather just throw it. I'd in. rather just throw in the towel and go, yep. I'm, I'm out. I'm just genuinely out. No one believed me. No one believed me. They thought it was because everyone, it, it had gotten really crazy. Everyone had gotten very calculated about like Tom had quit at one point. Tom's like, I'm out. I'm totally out. I'm sick. Guys, I'm sorry. I can't do this. I'm just a comic and I'm sick. And everyone's like, no worries. Don't worry. It's fine. And I think Ari and I both relaxed. And then Tom comes back the next day and fucking throws up 700 points. And he's like, suck it, fuckers. He didn't say suck it, fuckers. He okay. was like, he was like. But but that's what I heard in my head when sure. I saw 700 points. I was like, I was like, are you fucking kidding? And he was like, I'm feeling better. Yeah. And I was like, I thought you were on your deathbed. And he was like, I took some antibiotics. I'm feeling better. Oh my god. And so I'm like, now I'm defeated. And so that last day, Tom was flying to Tampa, Florida, and he was doing, he was doing a, a, a theater run in Florida, and he called me, man, like real Tom Segura was like, dude, I can't, I can't do this. Like, are you really fucking out? Are you holding on to your points? Because you could hold on to your points until the end of the day. And not release them? And not through it. So no one knew what you had. Oh, And man. it was really, and I was like. And was it close at that point? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We were all roughly within 100 points. What? Me, me and Tom were within 100 points. I think Ari was, Ari ended up throwing up a really big day, like 700 points. Yeah. I think. My recollection serves me correct. And then, um, and but Tom and I were really close. And he knew, he knew he could do a big day, but he knew that I was willing to do not, was willing to do what he wasn't willing to do that day because he was traveling and he only had a finite amount of time right. and he was on the east coast yes. and i was like i was like dude i said on our friendship i'm not working out again i said i'm telling you on our friendship he was like i still don't trust it I yeah go, i wouldn't either <laughs> i go tom i've never lied to you i've told tom more secrets than any fucking one yeah. human being i go i'm not lying to you i i had i i'm going to go to georgia school and i cannot i cannot if I have this in my head that I've got to fucking go work out one more time, I won't enjoy the daddy daughter. You won't thing. be present be, at all. Yeah. And I said, I just am out. It was the greatest fucking feeling in the world. I got out. I got my pool. I relaxed. I took a shower. I drove to Georgia school, uh, did the bar daddy daughter barbecue. Then when took her and she, I took her out early and we went and played softball. Nice. I've been but the whole softball time. I'm like, if I have my heart rate monitor on, oh, these are points. These are fucking these points. Are points. It was obsessive compulsiveness. Oh yeah. The thing that really fucked me up is, I got done that, and then I have now I have real no motivation to work out because there were, I was so uber motivated to to look to get on the phone and look at the app and see who is where that now it's like I I'm missing I'm lacking a little motivation. The only thing that's motivating to me is every now and then I'll lean over and I'll feel my stomach not touch my thighs, right? And I go, ooh, I'm still I'm still in pretty good shape, meaning. Uh, I haven't gained all the weight back, and I'm and I'm like, and I've been going to spin class. Oh, if that's you're the going only to thing. Spin class? I'm, a, I'm a I'm a tribal uh, worker outer. Like I need to be in a group 
Oh. And I can raise my level. Yeah. I you need, need competition. competition. I need competition. Which is, I, it's weird that you just said you hated the competition with the stand-up, though. I don't like who it brings out of me. Yeah, you really do. You for, I, I completely relate to being so obsessed that nothing else exists and trying to have a family on top of that would be exhausting. Like when I got done with Dancing with the Stars, which is, if you watch the show, was immediate. Um, I was voted off as soon as they could get me off the show. But I was so wrapped up in that show because it's a month of practice leading up to it yeah. where you practice every day, four hours a day at least. And um, I got out and I missed the Kavanaugh trial. I missed, I missed so many things. I missed fires. I missed, and it was great. And I am dying to get back in it. It was the greatest time I've, I've ever had in my career in my life was doing Dancing with the Stars. And I would have never thought it would be. I thought it was going to be challenging, which it was. I thought it was going to be um, really emotionally grueling, which it was. Like, I cried so much. It was, there were times where I just wanted to give up and and just like like your experience. But it was, it was so, it was a vacation from anything else. Because when you're doing Dancing with the Stars, nothing else matters. That's um I got out and was like so... I just like got I felt like a claw machine came and picked me up and threw me back in New York because I had to be in Good Morning America the next day yeah. I mean I'm on the show the night of the first elimination and I didn't think I was going home because like there was a blind woman on the show so I assumed that like <laughs> I didn't think she was gonna go first but I thought she can't kick the blind woman off first uh, the woman standing in the curtains can we talk to you <laughs> that's my joke is that I did I just I, it wasn't like I thought she was gonna go first but I just didn't think I was gonna go first because I thought yes I'm I'm probably one of the worst I'm one of the worst dancers for sure maybe not the worst but I just didn't think I think I'm that I was like I'm entertaining I look decent a leotard they're going to keep me on for a couple episodes, but no, they immediate like ripped out. And I didn't, re I realized I was going home or there was a possibility of going home about three hours before it happened at like dress rehearsal where I was like, Oh no, like I, I need to find something to wear to good morning America tomorrow. I don't have my bags packed. I don't get to go home before you get eliminated. I got eliminated at six fifty nine PM and I had to be on a flight leaving at nine. So I had a half hour to collect all my belongings, turn in my dance That's shoes. Not fair. That's not fair be in a car say goodbye to my parents who had flown out to like hang out with me the next couple days because i wasn't gonna get kicked off the show say goodbye to everyone say goodbye to everyone on the show all the producers every any every all the connections i made for a month of summer camp i left summer camp in less than a half hour and i had to be gone and i was and it was ending and i lost there was a lot of emotions i'm in a car on the way to the airport just like what just happened and i I, I was really in a cloud for a couple of days. Like I couldn't get out of it. And then, um, and then you eventually do, but it was, it was so ridiculous. Me crying about dancing with the stars to my friends who are like, I have Lyme disease. And I'm like, but my salsa could have been stronger. Had they let me like, yeah. and people just don't relate unless you're in that world. It is. First of all, it's so fun being in that world. Really? Like when your life is dancing and all you care about is this show that really doesn't matter. But with the way the world is like you need an escape from it. And I couldn't even look at my phone. I couldn't pay attention to the news. It was it was so awesome. I got touched so much by men. That was great. Yeah. Like I got and this is no like I just haven't been with affectionate men before and it's because I choose them and that's just the way they are and that's no slight against them but I got touched more in one rehearsal with my dance partner than I did in a five-year relationship I totally saw you guys falling in love uh, he's married but I was like like here's what I'll say 
he's the hottest guy I've ever like t talked to, let yeah. alone touched. He's gorgeous. And he's he's a supermodel. Like he legit is a super. He's famous in Russia for being a guy who's just in music videos, like you know, just the guy that the the pop singer is like, drooling all over. Yeah. And he happens to be one of the best dancers in the world. His name's Gleb Sevchenko, and he was so hot. But like everyone on this show is so hot. It is so intense. You're when you're dancing with someone for four hours a day, and you've never really been touched that way, and you're being tossed about. There's emotions that you start going. You can ease if you, if your partner isn't married, you're falling in love with your partner. I, I mean, really? I I did not even get close to falling in love with him because he was married. But if he wouldn't have been, I would have fallen in love with anyone yeah. being that close to them and touching them for a month every day. It was awesome. Yeah. It was, and and not only was it him, it was like the the other dancers. I mean, Dancing with the Stars owns a studio in Hollywood where they have five dance studios where everyone just goes every day and practices. So you drop in on other people. It's like summer camp. It's like freshman year dorms. Oh. That's what it was like. It was so fun. Everyone's so flirty and fun. It was the greatest time of my life, and I was I was just sad to leave because I I had to like just. It, it ended and there's no way I can ever get back on even though I'm trying to pitch them a loser season like hard yeah I want to go back it was that fun it is the it's I am a bad dancer but I learned how to dance I learned that I can learn how to dance and it was so fun to dance it was it was the greatest thing I've ever done. I don't know how to, I, I am a, everyone is like, when I got kicked off, I was mad. I was at, mad at the show. I projected a lot of things. I was like, you know, it wasn't fair. It's rigged, all these things. I just didn't have as many fans as other people on the show. The voting just wasn't was? there. I think it was. And there was a blackout of, um, there was a power outage in my hometown the night that you were supposed to call in and save me. Oh my God. So the only place that had like really rallied around me and put it on the front page of the paper and done all the radio, no one could vote in that area. Oh. And so that, you know, I, there's a lot of things at play, but it was, it was so awesome. It was so like, I'm really, and then I got to go back for the finale and that was so fun because I got to be in a dance again. I wasn't competing. So I was like felt free. I had already been there and I just had the best time. I got, to, I was on the first and last episode and it was incredible. I, I really recommend you doing dancing with the stars. You want to do dancing with the Dude, stars Dude, you need to do, you would kill dancing with the stars. <laughs> it, it is you would have the best time and you would be great at it. I mean, they're, they're in, I'm put, putting this out there. Make Burt Kreischer an offer. I mean, you absolutely need to, you'll get voted off right away because yeah. comedians don't last on that show and I'm just projecting, but no, the I month heard, leading up to it is awesome. I heard Pete Corielli uh, told me one time, he goes, uh, he was like, I ran into Jeff Ross. I was like, yeah. And he goes, yeah, I was high and I was walking down the street and he was like, dude, I got kicked off at Dancing with the Stars and Pete's like, I don't even know what that is, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> it's so devastating when you get kicked off this. Show. Like, I remember just being on stage and I'm like holding on to Gleb, my partner. And there's a spotlight on us and three other couples. Ooh. And they're like the first couple going home tonight. Oh, and I knew fuck that. But I'm like, I'm on. How did this happen to me that I'm on a reality show where Tom Bergeron is and, and the music goes dun dun, and they wait and they wait before they say your name. And I just am, I'm I'm already mouthing Nikki and Glab, Nikki. And then when they said it, it's so embarrassing to get first voted off a show, Bert. It's so humiliating because I only did that show because when I got offered that show, I was like, no, I would never. This is the most embarrassing thing I could ever do. I don't know how to dance at all. I've never danced in my whole life. Yeah, I'm gonna be bad at this. 
And then I go, okay, well, I have to say yes because how often do you get asked to do Dancing with the Stars? And and so I said yes because it was just like, this is my biggest fear. I'm going to face it. And after this, I can do literally anything. And that's how I feel. Like, yeah. I feel invincible because that was the scariest thing I've ever done. But every interview I did and every... And anytime I would talk about the show, I was like, I know I'm not going to win. I know I'm not even going to get to the semifinals or even the semi-semifinals. I just, I don't want to be voted off first. That's my only goal. And I realized that sometimes when you face your fears and you go, I'm going to do this thing. And the worst thing that can happen is this thing. That like, to me, I was like, the worst thing that can happen is I get voted off first, but that's just not going to happen. Sometimes yeah. it does happen. Oh yeah. Sometimes when you put your, when you stick your neck out there, the worst thing that could happen to you does happen and you live through it and no one cares. It's fine. No one cares. No one cares. And it's actually funnier to get voted off first than any other number. So in oh. the end, I won, <laughs> but I was devastated. Devastated. Like I, 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 I hope everyone gets to feel that devastation because it's not real. Mm -hmm. It's not real. It's not yes. real devastation, but man, it is feels real. I hope it, I hope people feel it too because it was such a specific feeling and and you felt it on last coming standing. I mean, I've hold on. I've I've got one worse than that. Really? Not worse than Dancing with the Stars. It's so big. But when we did uh, Reality Bites Back. Oh yeah. Me, Theo, Chris Fairbanks, Mo Mandel, and Amy Schumer all drove in my. I drove all of them in my car. Uh, down to the to the to, so you think you can dive episode. Oh yes, and it was a it was like a two hour drive down and an, an hour and a half drive back, and on the ride down, Amy goes, "I hope none of us in this car get kicked off," and uh, it, well, the, maybe Theo wasn't in. It was like just Fairbanks, Mo, Amy, and myself. Yeah, and she goes, um, "I hope none of us in this car get kicked off," and I was like, "Oh." That would be the most awkward car ride back. And she goes, guys, whatever you do, don't get kicked off. And I go, and don't expect a ride from me if you get kicked off. And I got kicked off and I had to drive them all home. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. That is the worst. And it was, it, and I got kicked off in the most oh. humiliating way you could ever be kicked off a show beyond, beyond anything you can wrap your head around. Do you, do you, I know you met you were friends with Amy at the time. I remember this diving episode, but I don't remember what happened to you. So, I remember you naked on a, a boardroom table at one point. That, Is that you? That's me. <laughs> so Mike, Michael Ian Black Michael was the Black, host. Greg uh, Luganis. Yes. Sits us all down, and he says, and he says, me, Mo, and I think Amy, and he goes, uh, da 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 da, and he goes, Bert, you're married, and I said, I am. And he goes, you've been hitting on me this entire show. And as soon as I did that, Amy's face dropped and looked at me and like, oh, you're getting kicked off. Like I, she was like, oh my God. And I was like, and he was like, you know that you, it's not polite to hit on a gay man if you have no intentions of following through. And I, I was like, you have AIDS. And he was, and I wish they cut out, right? They cut out that. And he was like, you're kicked off. That's all they show is like his anger of me going, you have like, I'm hitting, you think I'm going to hit on a guy with full blown AIDS? Like I go, you have AIDS. And then they cut that out. And then it, it, you see his frustration with me or, or his anger or, like it was a different time. I know you can't tell someone they have AIDS anymore. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the world's going into. But he goes. He goes. You're off. You're off. And he gets up and storms off. Mo and Amy are like, "Whole." I am sitting there with Michael and Black, and he. And it is. I'm. I go. You know this feeling. I go. 
red hot inside like to the point where i'm like i could sweat it any second now i'm i i'm realizing i have to drive all of them home i am sitting here in a speedo and i'm about to get a lecture of how i'm not doing anything right and i go i gotta save this comedically i gotta save this in my head i'm like don't go out like a sucker go out like a comic and michael ian black says you can see it in my face if you could ever find this clip please 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 post it and send it to me i would love i don't care if it's embarrassing now but he, you can see it in my face i'm uncomfortable i'm bombing i'm like i'm like going uh yeah right i'm blinking a lot and michael Ian black's like you made a lot of bad choices your facial hair like i have a goatee i'm overweight and he's like just and, and he goes and and i stand up and he i go well i just appreciate the opportunity michael and he goes uh Time to turn in your trunks. And they had asked us all to put on um, nude things, and I didn't. Because I was like, I was like, no, if, if I'm going nude, I'm going nude. Yeah. And so I drop my pants naked. I get on my back. On the, I knock over all the chairs. It's like a, a conference room table. Like it was in like a, table. it was almost like it looked like The Apprentice. It was like The Apprentice. They were trying to recreate that. Michael yeah. Black's on a suit on one side. I'm on the other side. I knock all the chairs on my side down. <laughs> I throw off my robe. I pull off my speedo. I get on the table and I start on my knees. I start dry humping his face. And he's like, I, and he turns his face and he goes, I go look at it and he goes, uh, I'm afraid I'll turn to stone. I said, Party, you will. And then. <laughs> I put my feet on the back of his chair and start pulling his face into my junk. Jesus, Bert. I'm sexually assaulting him on oh, television. Yeah. And then I do a back spin and I stick it right in front of him. That's God, what the, I remember. God bless you, Michael Ian Black, for laughing out loud oh, and cutting the tension. And as soon as he laughed, the whole room laughed. Yes. And it was a, and I, and I was, but I, but in the car, he's like, so how, like, how do you think they're going to end that? Like, they can't cut that out. And I was like, I have no fucking idea. She's like, are you comfortable with them airing that? And I was like, and I'm like, I don't know. This is when I, I really don't know Amy anymore, but like I was really close with her at a point. Like yeah. where she was a really, like if I was on the road, she'd come and stop in and we'd hang out and party. And all of us would end up back in my hotel room drinking until like four in the morning. And she was like, she was like, yeah, I mean, like, are you comfortable with that? And I was like, I told, I remember telling her, I was like, I told everyone in my kids' school I'm on this show. Like, I'm naked, dry humping a dude on the face. Oh my gosh. And so I'm in Pittsburgh when it airs. I'm panicking about this. I'm oh in Pittsburgh no. when it airs. And Amy calls me and she goes, okay, I just watched you get kicked off of Reality Bites Back and it is fucking hilarious. You have nothing to worry about. Yes. And I was like, thank you yes. so much. I go, seriously? She goes, Bert, I wouldn't even call you if it wasn't. I wouldn't yeah. say a word. Yeah. It's fucking hilarious. And I was like, I was like, oh my God. Like I melt, I like, and then I watched it and it's fucking hilarious. Michael Dude. Ian Black saved my life by going, <sighs> by laughing, by breaking the, because yeah. he was in character. You're right. And once he laughed, I was like, oh my God. But, but you're, isn't that funny before you started that story? That's the, I watched that entire show because Amy was on it yeah. and I had, you know, it was a great show too, but that's literally the only moment I remember of that show is you on that conference room mm -hmm. table being naked and there was nothing about it that was, and I didn't even know you at the time, but that stood out to me. So that's hilarious <laughs> that, that that was the <clears throat> point that you were like so worried about. That show was so much fun to do. I was the yeah. funny, I learned, I learned then that I am, like, cause you know, you're in comedy. You're so all over the map with like getting on stage and following people, and this guy's the funniest, and oh my god, he's destroys. And then you hang out with him. He's like, oh, he's a dick. In that, I was like, oh, I'm really like, I'm not even. I'm just being honest about this moment. And I think if you talk to Amy about this, she'd say the same. 
I realized I was truly fucking funny in that <laughs> because I could make Donnell, Red, Amy, I could make everyone fucking laugh. Yes. Like Mike, I remember Mike Lee and Black, we were all waiting in line in some desert to do some walk and I'm just cra- I'm just being funny and Mike Lee and Black's laughing hysterically Ugh. and he was like, and I was like, and I felt, I left that show with a lot of comments, but I missed it. I missed, when I got kicked off, I missed not being a part of it. I I completely relate. You it's like a nuclear it. family. It's still going on without you. And I, it, I would watch the sh- Dancing with the Stars, like the next episodes, because I wanted to see my friends advance and I wanted to see the show. And I, I couldn't. I would cry. I would get like upset because I'd be like, I wanted to do that dance and I wanted to be there and I could have and I could be there. And um, it was really it's it's such a weird experience. And you're right. The, the disappointment of getting kicked off a reality competition is so specific, but it is a feeling that I felt a couple times, you know, I did last time I standing twice and made it to the semifinals and not getting picked for the top 10. I've cried on camera there. Like it's, it's really emotional because they convince you doing all the interviews and they keep you quarantined. It's like, it becomes so much more important than it really is. Oh my God. When I got, when I didn't make it to last comic standing, the two season two, I was, um, I was best friends with Jay Moore, who was the host. Uh, I had, I had, I had such a good story. I'm having a kid. I need this. I really put all my cards on the table, yeah. and they didn't call my name. And you're standing on stage waiting for them to call your name. Or I think we were in the background, and then and we were waiting. For, and they have cameras on your face, and there's a camera on your face because they know they're not calling your name. Yeah. So, but you think it's on you because they're calling your name. Yeah. And you're like, here we go, here we go. And then when you realize, you're like, okay. How do I react? How do I react? And that night, <clears throat> I took a Xanax and I got a six pack of beer, and I fucking was like, "We're gonna make this go away." I took I took a milligram of Xanax. I started drinking Heineken in my room, and I was like, "You fucking ruined your career. You ruined." I woke up the next day, and there's this little little duck doll that uh, that Georgia has, and I was like, and I was like over by the counter I was getting like getting like a water or something and Gary Goldman's like hey man don't worry about it you know you have the upside is you're having a kid and I looked over and I saw this little duck and I grabbed the duck I go yeah I'm having a fucking kid great man and I bought that I go this is for my kid like almost angry that like yeah I'm having a kid you're you're gonna be fucking famous you're gonna be the biggest comic in the world and I get to have a fucking kid anyone can have a fucking kid and I'm not on last comic standing and I remember I remember then like right after then uh Bonnie McFarlane Gary Goldman and Todd Glass went to lunch they were like where do you want to go eat and I was like hey guys where are you going to eat and they wanted to celebrate getting into the house and they didn't want me with them and I was like and they just walked away, and I was like, "Oh, by the way, I'm not shitting on any of those no, guys. I love them all." Not, but, but they they were like, "I don't want to buzzkill with us. Yeah. I want to celebrate what we just did." They, and they would would have felt obligated to not really talk about the show because you would have been, yeah, I get it, dude. And now, in retrospect, I'm so happy oh my God. that I didn't get on Last Comic Standing too because I wasn't ready for it. Yeah, I had 30 minutes tops. Yeah, I had no clean material. I would have been voted off first. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, I look back on it too and I'm like, thank God. And it just, but it just means so much to you in that moment. Does that help you ever? Do you ever conjure that memory when you don't, when things don't work out now and go, hey, I thought it was so important at that time. This too will pass. When I got fired from Travel Channel, that was like, f- dude, that was, I, I mean, that was like, thank God I'm in therapy. I didn't know you got fired from Travel Channel. Yeah, what do you yeah. mean? I was, I, not, I didn't do anything wrong. Uh, they got a new president. I was in therapy. It's it's a it's a crescendoed moment. I talked to Bill and Joe in the green room at the store, and both of them had said to me, not at, at the same time. They were sitting together, and they were like, 
I forget what I was, ta- I was talking about something about it was sounded like I was talking like uh like TV talk or I don't know and both of them are so real they're like dude the best thing you know what your show sucks like we love you man but you're it's not you're not a TV host you're not like a famous person you're a fucking comic and they're like dude quit the goddamn show I remember Bill going what's your nut what do you need to make every year right. I told him and he goes dude you can make that on stand up quit the fucking show focus on your stand up focus on your stand up focus on your podcast do a special just stop with the fucking TV shit both of them and so then I and then I was like bro these are two guys I I I'm I, I admire more than anyone in the business. Yeah. More than I admire them more than I admire Chappelle. I don't know Chappelle, but I know these guys. I know what kind of artists they are. Well, how, how and so I went to therapy. I had therapy the next day, and I had a meeting coming up with a new president, Christine Wolf. No, Christine White. Christy White. Cor- Courtney White. Courtney White. <laughs> But this, I knew this woman's name so intimately because I cursed her so many times in my head because right. she had fucking ruined my life. I thought, you know, oh, not, yeah. but, but so I go to this, I go to the, my, she would, she didn't even, by the way, she became the president and didn't call me for like two months, like became the new president. Oh, and I was, I was one of the town. Didn't call me, didn't call me, didn't call me. Oh, Everyone's like. My buddy Dan Adler's like, don't worry, I reached out. She loves you. She's going to hit you up. I was like, cool. Didn't call me. Didn't call me. And then finally, like, it was like a twist of an arm. She was like, fine, I'll take a fucking meeting with the guy, Jesus. And so we go to lunch, and then I tell to my therapist. He goes, what do you want out of this lunch? And I said, I don't know. I said, I want to keep working at Travel Channels. I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to work in another network. I was yeah. like, I just want to keep working. And he goes, well, tell her that. And he goes, what don't you want? And he goes, I go, I don't want to ride roller coasters. I have no interest in riding fucking roller coasters. Yeah. And so... We go to lunch and I tell her that kind of, and you guys hear like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then like two days later, she calls me and she's like, yeah, we're, we're done working with you. And I was like, I was on, oh my God. I mean, I, mean, I that, that panic moment you do on stage at Last Comic Standing with Michael Ian Black, with fucking getting kicked off Dancing with the Stars, getting not going to the semifinals two years in a row. That panic moment happened on the phone with me and her. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, I was, no. I was like, okay, no, that's under, I know, totally understand. Um, listen, I just, I was just, you know, like I have, like, if I could take any moment back in life, I would just go, cool, it was good talking to you. Thanks for the phone call and hang up, oh, as yeah. opposed to not, just, just not having your manly. And then, so then that fucked me up. And then I'm supposed to do the funnier die tour. They canceled twelve dates. All those twelve dates are mine. Oh. And do that morning of like I got to be honest with you. Thank God, Tom Segura was fat shaming me at the time. Yeah, because I just threw myself into that. Great. And I just was like, Thank you God know what? for fat shaming, dude. Thank God for fat shaming is right. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I threw myself into that and just was like, I can't believe fat like, shaming saved you. Fat shaming worked. <laughs> saved my fucking life. And I just did that. I did that, and I've I've lost weight. And I worked out, yeah. and I made videos making fun of Tom, and and then you noticed that this was something, and then all of a sudden my or, or my, my I start knowing I'm getting followers, my podcast is growing, yeah. and Tommy calls me, he's like, "Yo, let's get you monetized." Fuck Travel Channel, you can make that on your podcast. Yes, and I'm like, "What?" And then I get monetized, and then I start going, "Well, wait, I'm I'm good with money this year. I'm gonna be good with money for my podcast. I don't and then, need a TV. Yeah, show. I don't need a TV show." And then all of a sudden, Machine Story goes viral, and I'm oh, like, boy. "I'm like, oh bitch, fuck a uh, Travel Channel." Thank yeah. you, Courtney White. Thank you from the bottom of my Thank heart. You, you saved so my much. fucking life. Sometimes what you think is a curse is a fucking blessing. It's the best thing ever. It's like I always think when you, I, I always have to remember that. Like so many times where I've been the most disappointed because I've had two shows canceled and I've been kicked off of three different reality shows 
that always seems like the sad, the worst thing that can happen or even getting dumped. It's like all of these things free you up for the next thing that you would, you would, you should be lamenting getting these things because it's closing you off to all these opportunities that could be so much better. That's, so that like, should be a speech right there. It's because true. Because even getting dumped. Even get when you get dumped, good. Now you have a choice of anyone else, whereas before you did not. And I, I need to keep, it's good to have these talks because there's nothing but rejection ahead uh, in terms of my love life and career. Like it's, it, it's inevitable. There will be really bad times and great times, but the bad times have, I always think about this quote and I know it's so simple, but someone just recently told it to me and I was like, it's really helped me the past year, but everything's going to be okay because it always has been. Like every time in your past, in the past where you've gone, it's not okay. You're here now. It was okay. It was totally so every okay. time you think it's not okay, you have no evidence that it's not going to be okay because it always has been. It's always okay. And you always will get through things and it, it, you might have rough times, but it's going to, given the history of your life, you're going to be okay because when you thought it hasn't been okay, it always is. So I try to yeah. say it's going it to, it will be okay. It will be okay, but God, it's hard. That's so interesting. It, every time you thought it wasn't going to be okay. Yeah, so many times. It turned is, out okay. It's not going to be okay. How am I going to get through this? Like any of those moments where I'm just sobbing and on the, in the fetal position on the floor, I, I'm look at me now. I'm Wait, totally fine. What's the time where you were like, where you're like, okay, this is not turning around. Um, I think when I was like had an eating disorder and was like on death's door and I saw no way out and I had no one helping me and I really didn't know how to eat anymore and I thought I really was like, oh, I'm gonna die and like good because this you, is hell. What do you mean you didn't know how to eat anymore? I couldn't eat. I couldn't. I. I can't, I can't even relate to the person I was when I was that person because I see anorexic girls now and I'm like, eat a cheeseburger. Like I'm the person that I was like, I, I'm that person now because I can't even relate to who I was. But I will tell you that eating to me when I was anorexic felt like eating poison. Like it was that impossible to do. Like if I was to say, this is cyanide, just drink it, Bert. You'd be like, no, like it felt like death if I was to eat. It felt like death. I couldn't do it. I literally couldn't do it. And I would do it when I was put into situations where it was like I was admitted to a psych ward and I wanted to get the fuck out of there. So I was like, I will eat anything. And I was eating and eating. And then as soon as I got out, back to not eating. But I, I, unless I was like a gun to, his, to my head, I, I couldn't eat. I just couldn't do it. And I don't know. It wasn't about willpower. It was like I couldn't do it. Were you hungry? Yes. It was hell. It was hell. I was miserable. Like... I think about all like how hard I work now and and sometimes I just feel so exhausted and just I can't do it. I just want to give up. I want to cancel everything and just go sleep forever. But mm. getting through that and being hungry all the time and going to school and having friends and having a life when I was so hungry and so weak and so cold, so cold, cold. all the time because you don't have any body fat. You're freezing constantly. That's a, and your your ass hurts so bad because you have I already don't have an ass but when I was anorexic just sitting on bones all the time so I had terrible pain constantly just sitting you're sitting on a skeleton it's so uncomfortable you're no one likes you no one wants to be friends with you because you look scary um, no one wants to date you because you look scary 
it's so isolating and it's and and you're not even and the problem is no one feels sorry for you because you do it you're essentially doing it to yourself it's like just eat but you can't so it's like it is it's the worst because everyone's mad at you because you're doing it to yourself yet you can't get out of it it sucked how did you get it i got it because i caught it I really think of it as like a flu. Like I just caught it one day. My cousin got it and I can tell you the day she got it. Really? What was it? I can tell you it? the day she fucking got it. I want to almost want to she's I don't think Is she recovered? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I She's I had a few hiccups still. in life. Uh Yeah, yeah. She we were at Beach Haven in New Jersey and she opened a magazine, like People magazine and Karen Carpenter just died. And it's the first time I ever heard of anorexia. Yeah. And I watched my cousin do the math. I watched her go, can you believe that? Like, you cannot eat. And it's like, and I remember, and then a year later, they're like, oh my gosh, she's anorexic. And I was like, I was there when she got it. You were there when the seed was planted. Planted. And I was like, and I got to be dead honest, this sounds really horrible, but I try to keep the information of anorexia even existing away from my daughters because I'm afraid they'll catch it. Yeah. Does that sound, sound fucking crazy? No, I, I think we've talked a little bit about this before either on my show or the last time I was here, but uh, your your vigilance about that with your daughters is like really cool to me and inspiring because I wish someone would have kept it from me or at least, at least been aware of it. Like, you know, my parents knew about it. It's pretty much, it was pretty a cool new illness in the 90s that kind of came up and so everyone talked about it it's just fascinating that girls would starve themselves it came out of nowhere kind of um and so they were obviously aware of it um but they just parents never think it's going to happen to their kids and they also parents are so embarrassed by it because it says something maybe about your parenting yeah and so they want to be in denial of it and they want to act like it's not happening because then they have to look at maybe what they've done or what they're not doing and it's but I wish that someone would have gotten ahead of it and kind of kept me away from the things I was doing because I was comparing myself I was obsessed with celebrities obsessed with bodies and uh, being skinny and I grew up with a mom who like constantly thought she was fat and refuses to ever say that she's beautiful and like looks in the mirror and says you're disgusting and I'm like at this point I just go can you not talk to my mom that way and she goes Nick you don't you shut up she gets really mad at me and i just go please don't talk to my mom that way like she's so beautiful and so like and she's she still struggles with it she's never she's not anorexic or anything like that but i definitely just started hearing my mom's hot my mom's hot yeah by the way there's two little secrets i i feel really guilty (laughs) of saying is i i I saw your mom i think on instagram i was like god damn nikki's mom's hot and every time you and Chelsea Handler post pictures of yourselves when you were like 13 or 14, and I know that's too young, I always go, God damn, they were hot when they were growing. Uh, but I see you. them, I think I see them because it's faded into like sure. the 80s or 90s of a photograph. Yeah. I yeah. see them as oh if my God. I was. Chelsea was so hot when she was like 14. Chelsea it's was ridiculous. smoking when she was I know. 14. She looked like an adult woman. Do, um, I will give you that. She, I, I think the th- same thing about Chelsea, and I feel weird. Yeah. But, Where, but, but keep, yeah, I caught it where when i caught it i can like pinpoint it was i it was my senior year a lot of things happened my senior year uh september 11th first of all happened and then right after that two months later my friend killed himself uh and blamed my best friend for why he killed himself he left a note on her doorstep being like i'm killing myself tonight because you don't love me and you never will and left like a cd and in a note that essentially said that went home shot himself my best friend since fourth grade this is senior year of high school is now like 
dealing with this. And I was there when the guy confessed his love to her. And my friend said, I don't like you like that. I'm sorry. And I, we kind of joked about it after me and my friend and we're like, Oh, what's he going to do? He always does something crazy the day after he confesses his love. And you say, I just want to be friends. And then the next day he killed himself. So that happened. That was like November of my, my senior year. And then bad. It's a really tough September 11th. I mean, it was just big things happen. And then I was also going away to school in the new year. This happens. Anorexia kind of takes over a lot when there's a big change that's about to happen. And especially, And my parents didn't know the guy that killed himself at all, that he was never around. So I got no kind of grief counseling because I would cry about him having killed himself with a gun that I saw the the night before he killed, like he showed us the gun. And like, I I was very much a part of it and it was, but my parents didn't know this guy at all. He was my friend from school and my friend's friend. And so when I was like really upset about it and like needing to process it, they weren't really like that understanding. They were just like, why are you crying about this guy that you just maybe went to school with like, but they didn't get it. And so I wasn't able to process it. Then I, by March, the first time a boy that I liked had ever liked me back happened. Like I just, I somehow this, I found out this guy in high school. Yeah. Like I didn't have any boyfriends or anything up until then. I kissed one boy, but he was drunk and on spring break and like down on his luck and was kind of like forced on me. And so we made out and that was awesome. But I got mono um and i was i just didn't i was scared of boys i didn't i was i liked boys but i was just so i was like i'm never gonna have sex i'm never gonna kiss a boy i just didn't see myself ever being intimate with a man i was terrified of describing my daughter georgia right now let me have a couple hours with her uh, you know what i would love to talk to her about i've already thought i already thought i already thought i was like i really want to do a podcast where you talk to my daughters independently, not together, yeah. and just and just pick their brains apart and go yes. like and go like here's the and then not release it, but me definitely listen to it and go all right, or then release it, but but keep going. I don't mean yeah. no. I I my daughter to Georgia is so very much. young, and you can feel her on the outside of her friends developing. I mean, she's developing, but like developing emotionally where they're like falling in love with boys, and she's not there yet. She's at an all girls Catholic high school. She's just kind of like she's just getting by like how she's old is she 14 yeah I, I mean i can't relate to anything more than what you just said in terms of like i just my i developed later not like physically but like right you said emotionally i just wasn't i was like am i gay but not i don't know if i i'm even that and i just i didn't want to be around boys the idea of being alone with a boy scared me kissing a boy i'm like how do you even do that all my i remember my friend like freshman sophomore year my friend started like blowing guys my first friend to give a blowjob i sobbed i was like i've lost you i don't i don't relate to even i can't even kiss a boy and you've sucked on a boy's penis like i was like you're you're i don't know who you are anymore i was devastated when my friend started blowing guys i just couldn't handle it because i just didn't i was so far from that and so then my senior year, I'm finally like, I need to get some stuff done. Like, I- I'm going to force myself to do it. And this boy that I liked for so long from afar, kind of, I heard English, and he was a popular guy, and I was never popular. I was, like, always on the outside, kind of looking in. And- Isn't that bizarre now to think? Like, you're so popular. <laughs> I he, I, mean, you're, you're I still feel the same. You're not, you're not just popular, you're famous. No, I still feel the same in comedy, almost. Like... Really? The popular kids in comedy like me and I'm accepted by them and they're like, eh, come do our show. But I don't feel like I'm the one that's like, 
you can hang out with me and like I don't feel like I'm running things and I I like that I yeah. like being in different kind of sects of uh you know I don't know of comedy and in high school I was just like bouncing around and then the popular guy liked me this guy Mike and I staged okay so we had a, you remember her singled out on yeah, MTV? yeah of course, okay yeah. so we did like one for charity for my high school and I was picked as the girl that would be the girl that wins a date and so all these guys are behind me I can't see them and I'm the host is asking me questions and they're whittling down behind me right and I don't know who it's whittling down to but I've I've picked out my friend in the audience to give me nods and to tell me what way to answer because she would see his answers and so I got it whittled down to this guy that I liked so I won a date with the guy by cheating that I knew I liked and that I heard liked me I won a date with him we had a date scheduled I was so nervous about the date that and it was just like hanging out after school watching a movie I just didn't eat that day because I was like nervous. You know, when you get nervous, you just like lose your appetite. And I've like felt queasy almost. And so I didn't eat for like a whole day, just not trying to be skinny, just nerves. The next day it showed up, I guess, because the next day people were like, you look great. Like, you know, you just water weight. Yeah. And I remember Jamie Nash, who was like the popular girl that I always wanted to be as cute and skinny as. She was like, you look amazing today. What did you, what did, what have you been doing? And I was like, and I just go, I didn't eat yesterday. Oh and I was my. like, I'm just going to keep doing that. I want to, I want to Google, I want to Facebook Jamie Nash and see what she Oh looks my God. Like. I'll, I'll show her you on Instagram. I'm, I'm, she's definitely not Googleable. Like she lives like a good life. And but I, like, I wonder if she's a MILF. Oh, she's got to be a mom, oh, right? No, she's not. She's still like cool and like, oh, for real? Uh, she's like, she like hikes a lot. I know. Like she's still cool. She was always cool. God, she got all the roles I wanted to get. Really? Like in, in all the plays. She was really funny. Jamie, shout out to you. I know someone's going to tell you to listen to this. but um, Jamie Nash, screenwriter? No. No. Uh, Tennessee? No. Yeah, probably. She lives in Tennessee? Maybe. Manager at Chum Bucket? <laughs> <laughs> I hope. It's not I have it's no not idea her. what she's doing. But I just go. Hold on, I know I already know what I'm gonna do. Oh my god! I'm gonna go to N I K K I G L A S Nikki Glazer. I'm gonna go to Friends. Okay. I'm gonna go to your friends, and then I'm gonna find. We have a lot of mutual friends. Yeah, we do. J A I M. No. J J A M I E Nash. Did she come up? No, Neely. No, I bet she's private too, because she like is oh. a normal person, dude. Oh yeah, I guess yeah. Some people like to keep their yeah, like they don't a need to put of... their bodies. And a lot of Jamie friends: Jamie Vaughn, Jamie Carupolo, Jamie Dobbs, Jamie Flom, Jamie Gunn. Yeah, Jamie Lee, Jamie Neely, Jamie Pitt, Jamie Plaxico, Jamie. <laughs> How many fucking Jamies so do you know? So many Jamies, and That's I can like... like I'm personal friends with all those Jamies. That's too many Jamies. So she said to you, she was like, "You look great," and I, she was just the popular girl that I wanted validation from, and I was like, "What did I do differently?" She's like, "Are you like on a diet?" I remember she said something like that that made me go, "What am I on a diet?" And oh, I'm like, "So it's it's acceptance. oh, I just didn't eat, and I'll just keep not eating." Like that's that simple. And I was just, it just, and that was March. And by June I was hospitalized. Like it was, I lost like so much weight so quickly Fuck. and like it shows right away on me. Like it showed in one day. So I like it. And, but the problem with being anorexic is 
because I was a little bit overweight when I started losing weight. So then I got like so hot for like three days <laughs> and then it got <laughs> scary. But like three days, I was so that anorexic window. Dude, I got I got scouted to be a model in those three days. I was at Forever 21 with my sister oh in my high school. God. And a woman came up to me and was like, have you ever considered modeling? I mean, my dream, Bert. Like, this has been my dream my entire life. And this was at a, uh, this was at a day where um, I was at the mall with my sister. My sister is a leg- like, she should be a model. And I remember the woman coming up to me and I go, oh, you should talk to my sister. And she's like, no, I want you. Because she knew I was anorexic and vulnerable and it was totally a scam. But still, got yeah. scouted to model and it was like the best moment of my life. Oh my God, that's it, all the math works out. Why wouldn't you do this for the rest of your life? Why wouldn't I keep starving myself forever? This well, is how, this is how it works. I lost all my friends because they were worried about me and they were so mad being around me that I didn't eat. And I had to just lie all the time because so much about having friends in high school is around eating and when you're not eating and I couldn't be around my family anymore and I had to lie about, oh, I'm going to a dinner with friends. So I'd just go drive around. I had to get up and exercise at four in the morning because I needed to burn calories that I was going to be forced to eat that day because I had to go do, do something like it be- so quickly consumes you. And then, um, yeah, it was miserable. And it, it was fun for a little bit because you get high from not eating. Like it's a true high and you're like, I'm in control of this. And then you just get out of control. And then I started almost fainting. I almost fainted at graduation. And then within a week after graduation, I was, um, or within a couple weeks, I was hospitalized. And uh, by like, I went to just go get a, a, a routine physical because I needed one to go to school in August. And because um, I was going away to, to University of Colorado by myself, like no, not with any friends. Like I was... Branch, I was nervous about it, but I was excited to get away. And especially because I would be like, oh, I can just like do my eating disorder on my own. No parents, anything. I can't yeah. wait to get away. And I go to the doctor and they're like, your pulse is so low. Like you're going to die. And you're clearly anorexic. You weigh 90 whatever pounds. And my mom was like, no, she's not. And they're like, well, you don't really have a choice. Like she's not leaving because if she leaves and dies, then it's on us because we know she's going to die. Yeah. And so I had to just go. Uh, I was in a psych ward for a week or two. I don't really remember because I was so on so many drugs. But So wait, did you end up going to University of Colorado? Yeah, I went and I should not have gone. Really? Man, I was I was so anorexic. I'm so glad I went because that's where I started doing comedy and like... Because when I went away, you went to, to college. Yeah, I went only one year. I went to University of Kansas. The rest of it. I always thought it was University of Kansas. Yeah, yeah. So I transferred. Because um, you were doing stand up at Stanford in, and Sons yeah, in Kansas yeah. City. Yeah, yeah. So like going to school, uh, anorexic and looking like legit Auschwitz. Like I looked so. I look back at pictures and I'm like, how did you think you could walk around and no one would know? Like people used to whisper and say rude things. Like I felt. It was so embarrassing to leave my house and I would wear baggy clothing and try to hide it and everything. But I was just always so I remember and you were just saying about your stomach touch like, you know, when you need to lose weight, if your stomach touches. I used to say that if when I couldn't put my do this around my arms that I was fat, I used to be able to do that around my arm. And I'm doing the okay symbol, everyone, if you're listening. And if I if my fingers couldn't touch, that's when I needed to stop eating again. So I would just I would do this every night in bed. And I had all my little parameters where I was like, if I can't do that tw- like around my leg, oh my like it, you just are crazy. Yeah. And um, but I will say, and I've said this before, the reason I do stand comedy and became funny was because the only way to make friends was to be funny because everyone was so scared to even talk to me. And so I just had to be larger than life 
in terms of just be funny and then people wouldn't know that I was sick and that's what I did I got friends and my friends used to say to me they're like god people stop by our dorm room all the time to be like we're really worried about Nikki like we see her working out a lot we see her not eating like she's gonna die and they'd be like oh we forgot she was like a skeleton because she's so fun and like over the top big personality they like didn't so I distracted them by being funny and then that's when I started being told like you should be a comedian tried comedy and then I was like oh I have a reason to live now Oh this is a God. new obsession. And then I started eating again. Really? Yeah. Do you, now does part of you go like, cause I think everyone can understand that the, um, the addiction that is eating disorders, I think it's kind of an addiction. Uh, like it, it fucks with your head. Like it's, it's, you know, when you look at, or maybe let me rephrase that. I'm doing this backwards, but how am I, what am I trying? Like when you, okay. When you say to someone who has a, uh, I'm fucking this up because I, I it's because it it deals in with alcoholism and drinking again. Cause I know you had said yeah. I, would, I had thought about drinking again, but you you can get in control of your eating disorder. You can get in control of like of food. It immediately may, leans to me going. Well, I don't think you have an addictive behavior. Like right. I think you can. I think you can are one of the people that can. Like Leanne had a drinking problem in college, mm-hmm. and she just decided not to drink again and then one day was like i think i'm gonna start drinking again and then now maybe she has a cocktail but that's it yeah i think i could go back to drinking it's just like i'm so all or nothing that i just and i take i think i've just had this streak going of seven years of not drinking that i don't want to break the streak but it's like first of all i I, it's it always can be argued if you're happy why fuck it up yes like that's number one like like if, if, you, if you're not missing it in your life, why throw it back in? Right. Well, then I'd argue that I'm not happy. <laughs> like so many, like so much of the time I'm like, oh, it'd be nice to have a drink. And what do like, you think? What do you think? Dance around. I, I think it's so funny the way you see yourself and the way I see you or other people see you because I see you as so on top of things, like so dialed in, so in the zone right now in stand up, in in on radio, on in in on television, yeah, on every aspect, social media, everything. You're so dialed in. I mean, I think men or relationships always finds its way out or around or whatever. Ugh. But like, but like, what would make it better? Love, being loved, like feeling want, how, loved. What do you want to? What do you want out of love? Like, what are you looking for in life with a, in a man? That's the problem. It's like I. I know what I would if I was looking at me from the point of view of my friends like what kind of guy that I would pick for myself but I'm not attracted to that guy so I my the problem is me it's not the men obviously it's the men it's the men I'm choosing and it's so the problem is me I'm I'm not ready to be loved in the way that I want to be loved I think but I do want like a partner and I want I just want to be I just keep going after people who I know won't like, like don't truly have the capacity to love me. And I just, I think I like the challenge. And I also feel that I hate saying this because I do, I've worked on myself so much and I do love myself, but I don't love myself enough clearly based on the people I'm choosing. Cause if I talked to my friends and they kept choosing the same guys over and over that disappointed them and, and this is this is leaving out my ex-boyfriend who I think was actually a great choice for me, but it's just bad timing in our lives. But the people I've chosen since then... The one then, that worked on uh, your show with you? Yeah, yeah. I think he is like a, a... he. I'm so proud of that decision. I'm like, oh, good. Like Because you had that relationship, that means like you, you do like yourself and you wanted to be treated well and all those things. 
But the people I'm choosing now, I'm like, what's wrong with you? Like, why don't you value yourself more, Nikki? Is it, and I think a, it's because I'm just, I want to have fun. Do I guess. they have a Tinder app where like, where like your friend gets to swipe for you? I know they should. Where your friend's like, oh, this would be good for her. Yeah, and then you got to go out on, and and his friends picked for him, and yeah. it was like really like a match. That would be so good, actually. That's a great idea. Yeah, you can never trust dudes. Friend with that. of a friend, but yeah, <laughs> I know. Ah, oh, great, another chick with one arm. Fucking <laughs> thanks, assholes. <laughs> yeah, I just, I um. I don't know. I and I also feel like like you were talking about your daughter like she's seems a little bit stunted um sexually maybe uh, compared to girls her age. I really was stunted. Like I didn't start having sex until I was 24, like a lot like Holy like, shit. I had sex at 21, but I didn't start having sex sex oh, till yeah. 24 and then all of that was blackout drunk sex, so it was not connected, it was not present. I don't remember 98% of the sex I had because I would need to get blackout drunk in order for it to happen. Wait, when you have when you have blackout drunk sex, do you wake up feeling like you were sexually assaulted? No, I w- woke up being like I got banged out last night and really? I'm so glad because I like a good I like a good fucking like I like to f- the, the feeling would be there. I'd be like, "Okay, good. I feel like I had a fun night, but I it was almost good because I wouldn't feel the emotional hangover of it. Like I wouldn't be Oh, that guy and I looked into each other's eyes while he was inside me. And that, like, I wouldn't remember any of that. So I wouldn't feel so hurt when they didn't reach out. Like it was, it was a more, it was an easier way to get through life being blackout drunk when you were intimate. And now I feel like when I have moments where I even make out with a guy because it's not drunk and because it's always so present, I like get attracted to guys that I should like, because of having an intimate moment, I get, I, I, my heart gets invested in these guys that I shouldn't trust and they should just be flings, but it's... What do you mean when you get like guys you shouldn't? Like, because I know what I hear. Yeah. When I hear that, I go, yeah, oh, really hear? good looking uh, uh, heirs to a throne who just are like, oh, I'm going through a phase of where I just, you know, like... I think guys who... Um, hot guys, for sure. Like guys that are just hot and who I'm just like so just wanting to be validated maybe by because if they are hot then maybe i'm hot and that means i'm hot and that means something i mean just like the most i'm giving you the most shallow reason no i know but um i i think that i really um just guys i know that don't that aren't able to love me like their track record says it they've never had a girlfriend before they've never said i love you in a relationship they've um they haven't had a girlfriend for years they're workaholics like all the things that i I am myself, kind of. You, I was about to say that you're kind of describing you a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I've been dating recently this narcissist, and I told him the other day he was a narcissist, and he kind of loved it because he's a narcissist. And I was like, I was like, you're one of the worst narcissists I've ever met. And he was like, well, don't say it that way. And I go, well, you're probably one of the best. And he goes, yeah, you can say it that way. Like he <laughs> loved being the best. And I'm like, is he a comic? Um, slightly. Slightly. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wait, is mean, he Joel McHale? <laughs> He kind of is. He he's, he's a Joel McHale type. Um, I don't know. Apologies to Joel McHale. No, I, no. You know, Joel McHale would admit that he's like, yeah, kind he's, of a comic. Like he can hang with comics. He's so, Joel McHale's so funny, but yeah. uh, he didn't start out as a stand-up, so yeah. it's a similar thing. This guy's so funny and so fun. We and took can a, hang. we took a personality test, and I, and I don't know what. The guy said to me, but I think he basically said you're a, a soft narcissist or whatever yeah. or something. And all I took it as a compliment. It's, and Liam was like, 
like, I think he's telling you this is wrong. And I was like, that sounds good to me. I don't no, know you're absolutely yeah. a, a somewhere on this. And so am oh. I. And that's why I like it in people. So I just decided to be like, tell this guy because it was just, I was obsessing over it of like, I can't believe I'm dating this guy who is so into himself. And he has to know that I acknowledge it. And I just want to get ahead of it by calling it out. He didn't mind me calling it out, which made me concerned. And then, and then I noticed something because I've dated a couple guys like this recently. And this is kind of a bit I'm running, but it, I think it's just, I, th- I want girls to be aware of this. And guys, all the guys I've dated that I've found are the biggest narcissists love FaceTiming. And, I, and that always threw me in a wrong direction because I'd go, oh my God, this guy wants to FaceTime. What an intimate thing to do with me, you know, <laughs> where it's, it's a way to connect where you have, you're forced to be off your phone because you're on, you can't be on your apps yeah. when you're FaceTiming. And then I realized they're, they just get to look at themselves for an, an hour and a half or however long you talk. They're not yeah. even looking. They like FaceTime because your face is on there. And that's why I like FaceTime because yeah. my face is on there. I relate. Like, you know, when you do FaceTime, you look at yourself. Like, oh, yeah. we all do. Yeah. But that's what I realized. I was like, oh, that's what that thing is. And they, and so I, I, that's who I'm drawn to right now. And I don't believe narcissists can really, like ones that are high on the spectrum of narcissism they can't really be great partners. I've known I've known some legit narcissists, like hardcore. Yeah, and they're uh, they're always bad friends. They're always bad everything. I've known, but I, I think we throw around narcissists pretty loosely these days. Yeah, I know, this guy I know, is definitely not diagnosed, but I'm just yeah. I know I am. I know I know that I throw it around for me when I when I'm probably just obsessive about my. I'm I'm just I'm just in my head, but. Uh, yeah, but we throw it around a lot, and you've known some. You've known. I've some. known some legit ones where you're like, "Oh, that is not reality. Like you're not living in a reality. You're forcing a fake reality." Wait, hold on. You know, you just told me the truth two days ago. Now this is a new truth. Yeah. And they're like, "I told you that." Yeah. I mean, it's always good when you have a friend that's like Sugar is the exact opposite of a, nar- a narcissist. Yeah, I know. Like, almost to a fault, and and it's good to have him as a friend because he will call you on your bullshit personally like privately yeah and he can point out when he sees it in other people yeah he'll be like dude we need to stay the fuck away from that person he's a good dude man god what a good friend to have but yeah i'm i don't know i i'm i'm attracted to these men because i think that first of all they're generally pretty successful and they think they're cool so that i then think they're cool like it all works when you think you're the shit other people kind of buy into it yeah it narcissists are very successful and there are so many comedians who are. I mean, oh, and yeah. in, I'm including myself. Like, I know that I have the tendency to think pretty highly of myself and just to be very vain. But, like, have you noticed, like, I think I've realized recently bragging is, like, so necessary in this business. <laughs> and I'm really uncomfortable with it. But it works. Uh, you have uh, you so, have to brag. So when I started this business, that was not very popular. It's not. It wasn't cool in the beginning. And when and and what I no- and what I noticed was this really bizarre. Which really, I'm I'm glad you said that because one of the things that fucked me up was that I was funny as shit, but I wasn't good at telling you why I was funny. Yeah. Like I wasn't good at showing you why I was funny. I was just really funny, and I got into stand up. And then I was like, oh, I got to tell that that story. I got to tell it every night. That seems odd. Like, can I just be funny? And then I was like, okay, cool. I'll just do stand-up and then and I'll figure out stand-up my way. And I figured it out my way. And then I would have these stories of things that had happened on the road or things that had happened to me. 
And I was like, unless I tell them, no one's ever going to hear it. No one's going to, like, if, this sounds crazy, but I was like, no one's going to start the legend of Burt Kreischer if there is no, if Burt Kreischer isn't telling it. Because no yeah. one gives a fuck about him. I'd go on radio and have to promote myself and be like, like, you couldn't just go, I couldn't go on and be Patton Oswald or David Cross who would just shut down and be like, because that was the other way to do radio. Like, I'd go in to do radio and I'd be like, all right. It's time to sell some tickets. Mm -hmm. It's time to tell people why they need to come see me. Yeah. As opposed to like all the alt comics, which I felt more in tune with, would just shit on the process of radio. But, I, you know, I'm not an alt guy. I'm a regular bro. And so the guys that were running radio stations or were DJing, they were my kind of people. Like that's what I would have done had I not gotten a stand-up. So I, in a weird way, I would connect with them. Yeah. And they would set me up to promote myself. And then I turned into a fucking promotional whore machine. Yeah, I've learned from you. I'm <laughs> featuring from you in the early days. And you always bringing me to radio, which was so cool of you. And no headliners ever offer their feature acts who they didn't, you didn't bring me as a feature act, but we would do Thursday night show together. And you'd be like, hey, you want to go to radio with me tomorrow? Yeah. And I'd be like, yeah, that's so, you. that's uh, unheard of that a headliner would ask the, the feature to go. And you would bring me in and I would watch you destroy and how excited the the DJs got that you would be returning and I learned I learned so much from you in those days when you would bring me into radio and and you're right we have to go in there and kill it and be promotional machine like you yeah. have to tell now I go into radio and I'm like you need to go to my show this week because I'm good I haven't yeah. always been good but I'm really good right now and you need to go see my stand-up because it the tickets are cheap they're gonna get it more expensive because I'm a rising star like I, I people was, are like taken aback by I'm more my comfortable confidence now. I'm more comfortable being like that yeah. than receiving compliments yeah I'd rather do that I'd rather yeah I'm, absolutely like, I went in I went in to do radio somewhere recently um didn't need to all my shows were sold out but it's like I, I have relationships with these guys the thing, I've yeah. known these guys for years. I'm not going to bail on friends, especially like I'm not going to big time motherfuckers. Yeah. And so all my shows sold out. I go in to do radio and uh, I'm so much more comfortable trying to sell myself to an audience listening than because there's a re probably like blackout sex. There's a disconnect with it. Yes. I've done it so much where I'm like, I'm like, it's it just, it's like, uh, I didn't tell you about the time I fought a bear. And they're like, you fought a bear? Like, I'm baiting them. I, oh, I fought a bear. Oh, I didn't tell you about the time I jumped out of... Did, I should tell you about the time I got involved with the Russian mob. Like, all these, like, I am Paul Bunyan, and I have the greatest goddamn stories you'll ever hear. Did I tell you about the time? And so, someone get a bottle of tequila in here. Yes. Let's fucking... I was... That I went in, and they were like, dude, the special was fantastic. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, and then I'm like, I'm like, how am I supposed to receive this? Like, I don't want to... I don't want to, like... Because my natural instincts go, I know, right? I fucking killed it. Because right. I'm in promo mode. Yeah. I'm in promo mode. And I just was so uncomfortable receiving compliments. Yeah. And I was like, I need to get comfortable. Because I don't think anyone means it. Like, I just think. I just I think know. I think the same thing. I'm like, you're just saying it. I'm just waiting for them to finish so I can just change the subject. Oh. Yeah. Berbiglia called me on that the other night. He was like, you're just like having a moment or say so he said something like that, you know, and I was just like, well, what about you? And he was like, let's go back to the fact that you so quickly, you didn't even let me finish my sentence until you changed the subject. Why can't you accept it? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I feel like you're saying it to be nice. I don't believe, you know what I mean? Yeah. But then, but I'd, I'd rather, it's just a lack of control. You can't 
control. And sometimes when people compliment you, like you, do you ever have a thing where it's maybe not even good enough? Do you know what I'm saying? Like they say something and you're like, it's that's so nice, but then it's like not good. You'll still find like, but they didn't say this and that yeah. you'll find one thing they said that you're like that now I'm going to, now I'm going to take that as an insult. Or, or I go, or I go, you didn't meet like someone will go, I, dude, I, I watched all your Netflix specials. I go, there's just one. Like, yep. And then you go, there, well, bro. no, he's not a trusted he's source. He's not a trusted source. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that so many times. I'm like, they've watched Eliza's and one of mine. The and best, <laughs> the best compliments I get these days. And Tom and I have been texting back and forth because it's been happening to both of us. Is oh, when people go, dude, you are my biggest fan. Honey, have you met Tom Segura? And I'll go. <laughs> Awesome. And then I'll just I'll th- take the compliment. It's Tom. I'll go, thank you so much. Oh, oh. my and God. And Tom texted me the other day. He goes, I'm at a Lakers game and a woman comes up and says, my husband is your biggest fan. Honey, it's Burke Kreischer. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Dude, it's my favorite. Oh, yeah. it's my favorite because I go, I can really accept the compliment and I can genuinely gush on about my work as Tom. <laughs> Someone else. <laughs> thank you so much. Tell me more. Yeah. What yeah. Is, what's your favorite bit? yeah <laughs> ah, bikes bikes i know it's, it's dude it um yeah it's i, I it's all it's so much work I, I gotta go back to therapy too and that's are just you not another in therapy right now no i'm like Do, are you on any therapists. meds at all Mm-mm, i got off all of them that's i'm on funny. meditation that's what i'm on i gotta get didn't this is uh folklore by the way folklore sometimes there's a lot of folklore surrounding um miss schumer but did she get you guys all into TM at the yeah, same time? Yeah, yeah. She bought me the course. She bought all of her close friends. Not all of them, but like a handful of her close friends. Um, the TM course after she got involved. She 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 took it and was like, it's changing my life. I got You guys all need to do it. And so she signed us up and I took it and I learned how to do it. And then I didn't really use it. I tried it a little bit, but I was just like, eh. And then I got super, super duper depressed. And then I found out that TM was like a way to treat depression, which I thought it was just like to make your have a more peaceful life. But it can literally treat really bad depression. Like, you know, I was having like suicidal thoughts. I was like, I was ready to go away somewhere and get help because I was like, I can't escape this or get back on meds or whatever. And then I started doing TM every day and it's it's tr- it's treated me as well as 200 milligrams of zoloft every day did what was what's um you just tweeted, tweeted something the other day i cried about this twice and i'm not even on zoloft oh was yeah it, yeah, what was yeah. You, what was that i forget now but yeah i, I there was something that made me cry because when i was on zo i when i was on zoloft oh no i i i think my i forget what it was but when i was on zoloft i didn't cry i didn't come i didn't I don't know what I was doing, but I realized one day I was just like, I don't know that I'm feeling everything. And I don't know that I'm still feeling everything. I think I'm a little bit numb yeah. um, still because I don't cry that much. But um, I just wanted to get off meds to like see what would happen. And it was bad for a bit. Oh, I, I mean, I'm glad that I'm glad you're Are you want anything. No, I'm, 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 I'm what's, I am what's wrong with men. Like I was raised the way that, they taught God. I mean, I, you know, I wish that we, I wish that there was some sort of pass that guys in their forties got of like like me and Burr and all like Burr's in his fifties, but like where you go, hey, none of this, all this behavior that you've exhibited, it's not your fault because you were raised really bad. Yeah, it isn't your fault. Like it's like well, like I, you know, I the Kevin Hart stuff went down, and I was like, 
I was like, man, you're you're throwing. I mean, we're throwing a lot of blame on a kid whose dad was a coke addict, who raised himself out of the hood by himself and his brother. Got to, and was raised around in a bad neighborhood around people who said a lot worse than yeah. what he said. And yeah. and and he and by the way, this was ten years ago. And he and he and he was just trying to be funny. Obviously, he misstepped. But like I, I say. I said to someone that the first time I ever heard the word faggot, they were holding a kid down, putting an ice cube up his asshole, oh and I and I knew I was next. And so yeah. I'm like, and so I'm like, hey, I, I really apologize that I've I've said that word in my past. I've definitely said it. Luckily, for some odd fucking reason, I've never tweeted it. Yeah, I think I think it, I think writing uh, slurs is different than saying them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it, it feels. I went through my timeline when that thing went down because you can just type in your name and then, and then a word, any word. To see if it ever comes up. Oh wow! And luckily, it's just people calling me that. <laughs> <laughs> but you go to other people's things, and it's all fucking over them. I know. And you and you and these are people that been, should be scrubbing the internet. I think that's what happened to all those ladies. Is that you know it's but I but I I own who the fuck I am, and so yeah. when it comes to medication and i don't mean to, i didn't mean to bring like what's going on in the culture right now but when it comes into medication i was not raised like that i was raised you tough it out you fucking get a cocktail you shut it down well that's medicating too yeah oh yeah 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 of i'm course. not but like i am all the things like i have a hard time crying but you go to therapy you said i go to therapy but i go to therapy kicking and screaming but you go and yeah. and it sounds like you're and, and i know this to be true is like you're a you're a good dad and you're emotionally Look, available for your children. Here's the deal. It's like that, that, uh, you know, when Hannah Gatsby gave that good guy, bad guy speech. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I, by the way, I'm not drawing any sign lines in the sand for who anyone is. I'm not defining anyone, but I will say, and this is when all the me too stuff started happening. I was like, I'm a good guy. I'm a legit good guy. Yeah. If I've said bad shit. I've, 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 I probably behaved, um, inappropriately, not even knowing I did it. You know, like I've, I'm sure I've done, but I'm a really, really genuinely a good guy. Yeah. So I remember when that happened, I was like, man, there's a lot of dads and uncles that are older. Like I was with, this is, I'm like, I was saying this to someone today and I stopped talking about it, but like I'm weirdly getting by default woke on accident. Like just, I'm, I, I've changed, my behavior has been roughly the same for, I remember when Joe gave up said I'm gonna stop saying the word faggot I remember when he said that and I and I went if Joe's gonna do it I'm gonna do it yeah and Todd Glass came out on the Maris podcast and I was like okay I'm done saying it mm -hmm. I'm done saying it like obviously I just said it twice tonight but I mean I'm done using it sure I'm not gonna fucking confuse my audiences by saying the f word right now and everyone not knowing what I'm yes. talking about so so um oh, you've become is? woke by accident oh, oh. <sighs> play golf with my dad and his friends and the Lady comes around in the cart with the beer and stuff, and everyone's like, "Oh, the beer bitch is here, beer bitch!" And I'm like, eh, "Guys, that who? That's exactly what they're hashtagging about. Like, you can't." That, and I'm like, "Oh my god, I can't!" Like, I'm in my head. I'm like, "No one, no one like 70 years old is even remotely acknowledging oh, that this is no. happening." And, and I'm just like, "Oh my god, this is exact." I remember being in a radio station. This is. <laughs> I wish I could tell you where I was because yeah. then you'd go, I know what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. I was in a radio station and we were doing, we, it was right when Me Too came out and someone said, um, and, a, and a, a sales lady walked in, really beautiful sales lady, probably like 52, really beautiful. And we were talking 
coarsely, a bunch of guys talking coarsely. And I was like, oh, hey, guys, I think we should change the subject. And the radio host goes, oh, no, it's just Brenda. Fuck you, you're coming her mouth for all she cares. She's one of those. She's cool. And me and the, me and the manager of the club went, like, both looked at her. And I swear to God, Nikki, she went like this. like almost and i was like oh my god this is exactly why they're doing the hashtag is what we just witnessed yes and we were like we were like oh but but it's a weird default and it's got to be being in la and new york and being around so many fucking legit even even my friends bill burr who people would never call progressive is still so fucking progressive yes compared to the regular person totally the new thing that i think is happening with a lot of these guys that i've seen is that they'll acknowledge me too but they'll still like i saw this i went to this doctor and um his assistant was so gorgeous and he's just hitting on her the entire time and keeps going he keeps saying um uh now i he goes well you look very beautiful he said to me you look very beautiful i can tell you that now i can't tell her that because she works for me and uh you know the whole you me just, too thing and i go you, you just, just did yeah, you just fucking told he goes, her I, I could tell you the things i want to do to you but i can't tell the things i want to do to her and i'm like oh my god the, and then i was the i was thing. doing i was taping a show and um <laughs> this is the thing. these girls were dressed as cats in these skin tight outfits and the the costume designer was touching on them and goes it goes uh Oh, what are you gonna do? Me too. Me ne- like it was touching them inappropriately, and was like, "Oh, I'm gonna get me too." It's like this new thing where they, if they announce it, then it makes it so that it's fine if they acknowledge <laughs> yeah. it. Like, oh, what am I gonna get written up? That's the new thing that I'm noticing. Yeah. So it's it's still happening, and it's still like, but that is, I I relate to old Brenda, old fifty two year old Brenda of being being a woman on stage talking about guys coming in my mouth talking about how i enjoy like I, I i do five minutes on it and then i go into radio stations and they go well nah, she doesn't mind you could come in her mind. they say that about me all the time because I've, i say it myself yeah and it's like no i'm allowed to say that you're not but i see yeah. where they go well why can't i i see it i get it it's difficult to just let a woman be able to say things about herself and not think that you're able to do that too and throw it in her face but like the other night i was taking pictures after a show and this guy held on to me so hard and grabbed me and so jostled me in such a way that my friend Andrew, who was opening for me, like almost made it a thing, like had dinner. And I was able to just go get off of me. We're done. Move along. He's like, I love you. That what? And it was like, but he just heard me talk about sex so much on stage. He was all worked up, excited to touch me. And it just got out of hand. And it happens a lot. It, uh, it, by the way, it happens to me as well. Yes. With getting off stage. Getting off stage, the one thing, my one blessing is that women, categorically, across the fucking board, always ask before they touch you. It is is the cultural difference I've noticed. Dudes do not fucking ask. Really? It's a right. It's a right. Like, guys will pinch my nipples. They'll fucking lick my chest. They'll put their fingers in my belly button. They'll fucking grab my tits. Every fucking time a woman goes... Um, hey, is it okay if I grab your chest? Is it okay if I touch? Yep. Is it okay? Is it okay if I rub your belly? Yep. Is it, and, and I'm so grateful for it because I don't. I don't mind. I don't. I don't. I don't like dudes will grab my ass all the time and they'll go a uh, little Taylor Swift action. And then I'll be like, <laughs> and by the way, none of it bothers me. Yeah. None of it bothers me. None of it. But I, it, I, I just find it fascinating that women always ask. Literally, 
Nikki, I say, I say, like, if you, if I had to bet my life on two things, number one, Filipinos always have the most American names, and number two, <laughs> women always ask before they touch you. It's fucking insane. They really, they do. That's <laughs> Nikki. I swear, if I'm gonna put my life on two things, yeah. Anytime you ever, I'm t- next time you meet someone in the audience, you're doing crowd work. I'm being, yeah. I swear to God, Filipinos have say, the most, and American- they go, I'm Filipino. Go, I, they, don't, don't even say anything. I'm gonna guarantee you one thing right now. You have the most American name in the world. And <laughs> and then go, what's your name? And they'll always be like, Mary. It's fucking Jennifer, Lisa. It's the most across the fucking board. That's so funny. <laughs> that is I, I'm going to use that. And I as you're saying this thing about women and men, I'm like, yeah, every time a woman comes up to me, she goes, Is it okay if I hug you? Yeah. Like the girls always say that. Wait, and guys just hug you. But but here's the pro- thing is that like and I wish this was I wish this was talked about, is that I, for me, I'll say for me getting touched, it's not these guys' faults. They were raised I don't that, think it's their faults either. That it, that it was, they were just raised that like like, oh, just grabbing your tit, Bert. You know, and you're like yeah. and I'm talking about me, right? Me to them. And so guys and I, I won't speak about twenty year olds. I don't know what if you're twenty years old and you're, I don't look. I'm. I can only talk about my generation. Yeah. But like, Daniel Tosh, or I guess I'm Daniel Tosh used to have a joke. I'm not gonna say it because I don't want to get him in trouble for a joke sure, he used to have. That he, but yeah, yeah. I don't want to. Like, fucking, I'm glad that's buried. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm sure there's a lot of us that had jokes that were bad. Oh yeah. A lot of us. I mean, I did. Yeah. All of us did. All of us did. And the fact that they're fucking holding us accountable for shit we tweeted or joked about. 10 know, years, 10 I years, know. 15 years ago. It's it's a bad, it's a bad. Because what about the stuff that's okay now that's not going to be okay in 10 years? There's well, tons won't be, of it. It won't be okay in, in six months. Exactly. And that's how quickly it's going. Yeah. And you go, okay. Like I did uh, in my special, I did a black guy's voice. And yeah. someone said to me, the other day, I can't believe you did that. And I was like, what? And they're like, that's like super racist. And I was like, oh, not not when I did it, and not did that. And by the way, no one said that to me for the entire year and a half I toured with that hour. Yeah. I and I was like, not not a black guy once said one thing to me, and then I'm like, okay, so now I'm racist. Like, wait, now I'm racist for something I did. And by the way, then so then I just wrote the joke. I wrote it. I already told it to Halston today. Um, I am I'm getting a little woke. I stopped doing the stereotypical black guy voice when I have sex with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come here. Yes. But I, but. It's yeah. It's I had a great conversation with a bunch of black comedians last night at my, the bar next door, uh, black actors and comedians, uh-huh. and they were breaking down their conspiracy theory on what is going on in Hollywood, and it was fucking genius. Wait, that, what do they think? I don't know if I can tell you because yeah. I'm I'm afraid people. Pe- I put a picture of them on my Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't wouldn't want someone to, to figure out what they may or may not have said but but the, then the conversation then turned into the m-word and we were like and because they were talking about kevin getting in trouble the m-word and the n-word oh, okay. See, this yes. is why it's so fucking confusing I'm like the m-word which i haven't heard that yet no okay, the s- n-word yes and so and they were talking about it and i had a joke that i told on tom's podcast where the punchline is the n-word and they had all heard it and they mm-hmm. they go yeah that's like that's a funny fucking joke that like you can say it then like yeah. there's times you could say that and then they're like by the way like no one like the rules have changed so fucking much and they're changing so quickly that they're like they're like i don't even want to fucking be put on tape for anything 
Yeah. I don't want anyone to know anything. I want to scrub my timeline. I want to delete my entire Twitter. We were we and by the way, we were fucking hammered. And <laughs> and it was like one of the greatest conversations that we had that you could have. And it's like, yeah. And I, I'd said to them, you know, so this is the weird thing is like I was I'm always uncomfortable when like a dude is talking about sex with me. That's always made me uncomfortable. Really? Yeah, because I'm not a like sex guy. I'm yeah. not like I'm a regular. Yeah, I'm just you're regular. not. The, that's right. That's, I'm not like. Uh, ooh, I'm, tell me about the blowjob you got. You're not like talking about girls like that. I've never talked about having sex. About like, I mean, if I tell you a story about having sex, it's, it's funny. Like punchline. Yeah, it's yeah. a punchline. It's like I'm never like, ah, oh, dude. Like that's. Just, <laughs> I know you're not. That's so funny. But are guys like that? I feel like yeah. guys. Oh, they yeah. are. Oh yeah. And I do you get a, uncomfortable hearing other I guys? I get talk uncomfortable about? when guys point out women to me. Oh. I get, it makes me uncomfortable. I'm like, like easy, bro. You are one of the good ones. Like, no, I'm not. Oh no, hold on. Don't no. No. That, that's that's how you paint someone in the corner uh, getting know, taken down. You're as not. soon as you say you're good, they were like, oh, we'll prove you we'll wrong. Fi- bitch. We'll find something. Yeah. No, yeah. no, I get I get uncomfortable when dudes notice women and they're like, bro, 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 two o'clock. Yeah. Look at the fucking. And you're like, I'm like, okay. I I don't. I mean, I notice women. I notice things. Things I like about women are fucking so fucked up. It's like. Yeah. Like I'm, what? I like any woman that's like 50 years old and like still really beautiful. Yeah. I love gray hair. Like yeah. I love when I see gray hair on a woman. Nice. They, they, that's like a younger woman yes. with gray hair. Not like a 90-year-old like <laughs> woman. Um, uh, it's never just the typical things that you're that are going to... things that would... Like, I, like I'll notice... I, the things I notice... By the way, you'll catch me saying them in meet and greets. I'll go, God, I love your glasses. Yep, yep, like, yep. Things like that. I go, ooh, I like those glasses. Your yes. glasses look great. Hey, did you have braces? Like yes. the weirdest fucking thing. Yeah, you'll... <laughs> yeah. I do the same thing. Yeah, I um, I feel the same way that you might get uncomfortable when people point out women that are hot, like objectifying women, like when there's like a little person or something and the people you're with have to go like, dude, look, there's a little... Like, I'm just like, yeah, we all... F- see it my why do you have to that. call it out my buddy did that the other i day. hate it so or if there's an obese person or someone maybe that looks as twitchy or something it's like can we all just like get, we all see it you don't yeah. need to point it out at all and that person feels it so much they see you doing that yeah they feel it and it's just like why i i really hate that you had I, someone do that recently i have a buddy of mine we were at a at a store he's listening he knows he's he knows he knows i'm talking about him yeah um, but he there was a a little person that was um, uh, working in the Macy's that we were in, and he was like like a uh, 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 an employee, like yeah. trying to help you find clothes. And I cut the corner, and I didn't see him because he came out behind the the clothes, the jackets, or whatever. Yeah. And I I was just looking for the bathroom, and I was like, and he came out, and was like, hey man, what's up? I go, hey, where's the bathroom? Or I know I said, do you have any winter clothes? And he was like, no, uh, all our jackets are gone already. I said, really? He's like, I was like, where's the bathroom? He's like, oh, I was just back behind you. I was like, cool. And I actually thought to myself, I I really wanted to like call Brad and go, hey man, just thank you for like being my friend, so that when I now that I, when I see a little person, I I don't I literally just I'm like I just am like a regular person, it's just a person. Like yes. and, and it wasn't it always like that for everyone. There, there, this not. is a shitty fucking world. Brad will test and 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 then my buddy, <laughs> my buddy came up. He's like, yo, did you see the midget? And I was like, yeah, I did. <sighs> Yeah, and it's it. That's I am grateful for my friendship with Brad Williams too because I, 
he's you're right like you you run into a little person you're just like oh that's just a person just a like regular my friend dude with Brad. A regular life and of course they are and that's stupid that we even have to say that but yeah. everyone knows the feeling that you get like i remember one time i was driving the car and i was riding in the back seat of like an uber and i just looked to my left and there was like a burn victim looking at me from a window next to me like a crazy disfigured face and i screamed because it was so scary and i have never felt so, I mean, I, I couldn't, it, it was an involuntary scream. Like it just looked like a scary mask or yeah. something. And I've always felt so bad about that. So whenever mm. that was involuntary, but whenever I see someone who has a thing, I try. And that's, a, that's another thing that I struggle with because I try not to make a big deal of it. But a lot of times, and I've, I've, cause I've read so much about, I relate to people who are oh, like morbidly obese because I was on the other side of that and I was stared at a lot in public and whispered about. And so when I see someone who's morbidly obese walking down the street or something, sometimes you don't make eye contact because you don't want them to think you're looking at them or staring at them. Yeah. But then I've heard many accounts from people who do that, who are like, no one ever looks at me. And then that feels isolating. And it's like, well then, then now I try to look at them to make them feel as if just treat them as any other person. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so in trying to be nice and not looking at them, you're actually being rude. It's, and so it's like, I, I try so hard. It's, it's hard. It's, it's it, there's something to be said for like, Oh, this is by the way, the, whatever I'm saying is going to sound very fucked up. But for those moments where you're like, Oh cool. I'm just being a regular person. Like with like, yeah. like, and then you're like, hold on. Now that it, because I noticed that, am I no longer? Now I'm, the no, I'm not person? a regular person. Yeah. Now I'm patting myself on the back because I'm some hero because I can talk to this guy. You know who actually? Josh Blue was someone that, I mean, he he has um, cerebral palsy, right? Yes, yeah. he has cerebral palsy, and it's like, I mean, his hand is clenched to his chest most of the time. He yeah. has trouble walking. His voice is impaired, and then you hang out with him for less than a day. And you don't see it at all. I thought you were going to say, and then he quits the act. <laughs> and then he drops it. <laughs> he it drops almost feels as if he does. Yeah. He was the first, you know, disabled person or someone with that, that has a thing that everyone will kind of stare at when you walk into a place that I was hanging out with on a regular basis. And it completely disappeared. He taught me so much about that. So then what's the answer to that? Like, how do we, how do you like. Exposure. Like, is it just exposure? Is it like. I'll tell you what's not working is finger pointing. Like that's what's not working, which is happening online nonstop is like, you guys are wrong. Like when the Kevin Hart thing went down and then Nick Cannon just started going, what about them? I go, oh, that that's not us. how we solve this, man. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I, I understand his frustration. Yeah. But like, that's not like none of the fucking finger point that's going on is. I think what we, I think what you were kind of getting at before and what I have to accept about myself. Cause I'm also like, what have I tweeted? I'm going to go back through and I'm getting anxiety about it. Like the second I get something, it's going to be taken away. Cause they're going to find some tweet and I just go, just let it go, Nick, because I'm not a bad person. Dude. I like people. I'm a good, I really know I'm a good person. Sometimes I'm like, are you a sociopath? And I'm like, no, you're flattering yourself to think that you're a sociopath. You're not. I'm a good person and it's taken me a while to really land on that and to accept that. Like, I'm nice yeah. and I am well-intentioned 
And so I'm just going to I'm just going to keep going through life and knowing that I have been a good person. I probably didn't write anything shitty. And if I did, it was by accident. So I hope that I can issue an apology and people forgive me. But I've I'm I I, and you have to believe it, too, because, you know, and you just said you're a good person. I'm a good. Yeah. But but I think I think I had this conversation with someone the other day. I I said this on stage as well. If someone said, I'm not a racist, I go, oh, you don't get to pick that. I think we pick that. Yeah. Like you do your, you do you, and then we decide behind your back if you're actually racist. Yeah. And and that's the scary part about it is like some people don't know they're racist. Some people don't know they're sexist. I, that's the thing. And by the way, everyone is a little bit racist and sexist. You can't not be because of how we were raised. And so I acknowledge that sometimes I make decisions and have opinions about people and things and even white people and black people because I was raised in St. Louis, highly segregated area. I did. I only knew black people because they were bust into my school and thank God because I would have not grown up around a single black person. I only grew up around two. Yes. Two. That's two. Kari Brown, Andre Kerwin. Shout out to Adonis Willis. I got to give a shout out to the only third black dude I knew growing up. <laughs> those are my those are my my three. And then and then I you know there was other one like I met, I met a guy named Quate. I knew a guy named Efren. Like I like uh, most of ours were Cuban. Thank God all your the black people you were listening sound like black people. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's really checking out. <laughs> um, it really checks out. Yeah, all of those names. It's it's so funny because you know there is no. I, I said, I'm trying to figure this out to say this on stage. This is exactly how I feel. I am not racist, but I can't throw a perfect game. Like, like, like I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say some fucked up shit every now and then that I don't even know I'm saying Right. that like, that I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Learning, still learning the process. Still learning. Yeah. Like I just, people are still learning. I love every Halloween cause there's a new celebrity who didn't know that blackface wasn't something you're supposed to do. It just didn't get to them yet. Dude. Cause blackface to understand why that's inherently racist, you have to have some sort of education to, to get it because otherwise yeah. it's like, well, black people have a diff- darker complexion. Why wouldn't I put darker complexion makeup on to be a black person? Yeah. It's, it makes logical sense if you're just an innocent idiot white person. But if you know the history of it, then you go, oh, of course, this is terrible to do. But every Halloween, there's a new celebrity who no one in their camp yeah. goes, hey, maybe don't do that. Don't put that on your face this year. Dude, who is the, okay, I, I wish I knew her name. I only had two conversations with her. She works at the at Cobb's Comedy Club. You were just in San Francisco. Yeah. Black chick, uh, uh, I did not beautiful black- hair, and I only say that because I said something about her. I we had we had the best conversations ever, and I said to her, "I need you to explain cultural appropriation to me. I know what it is. I know when I see it, but I want I want to know from your perspective." And she said the most brilliant fucking thing. She said all the shit I hated about myself growing up: my nose, my lips, my hair, to see my butt. All the things that made me feel insecure about myself that I didn't want to have, to see some white chick just do it and it's cool, pisses me off. Oof. And I went, really? She goes, goes, it just pisses me off. I'm like, great. So all the shit about me that I couldn't stand growing up, now you're just going to fucking rock it and I'm supposed to not call you on it? And I was like, I was like, wow, that makes sense. And she goes, listen, I don't have a problem. Like she was... we ended up having the greatest conversations that week. And, and the whole time, I kept going like, I need more of you. She's a writer. She wrote a, or, uh, I got I to gotta find out who she is. Because she wrote a great article about cultural appropriation in the Huffington Post. Oh, nice. And she... We I mean, that's, the, that boils it down to it's 
uh, I get it. It was like, I was like, oh, that makes In total fucking sense. If there's something before. that I didn't like about myself and then, and, and then society deemed not attractive. Yeah. Society says isn't cool. Like right now, if all of a sudden uh, it became very fashionable to start saying uh, uh, racial slurs and, and sexual slurs and smacking girls on the ass. And I'm like, wait, uh, I was just told to hate that. It, that I, I couldn't smack and then now you get to do like I, no that's a really bad example yeah but, but like, like I, I know what you're saying like I'm trying to think of something that I grew up hating about myself and then I'm, suddenly I, yeah, it's cool, like it's cool by the way I didn't grow up just yelling racial slurs no, and no, 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 no. Y- y- that was a little misstep on the analogy <laughs> yeah, yeah, the analogy was very flawed <laughs> If you grew up being terrible at analogies and then people just started nailing <laughs> uh, analogies, like, <laughs> what the fuck, man? No, it's that she really, um, yeah, you're right. You're, it's hard to play a perfect game. And, and I, I'm, I try, I think all you can do is try not to be racist and try to be sensitive and try to be empathetic. But given the way you're, given the way you're, you can't help how you turn out. You really, and yeah. I'm try. you can just try to do your best and, I and try to I don't know it, it's it, but, it's, but I'm never I would never go like I'm not racist at all because I do things that could be make people think I'm racist yeah. and I'm doing them unintentionally I'm never an intentionally racist I'm, I'm never but I guarantee I'm, you I'm unintentionally racist I've, at times. I've known you for a very long time and I have never seen you do anything racist in my entire life. Right. Having said that, you've known me. You've never seen me overtly ever, ever even subconsciously be racist. However, there are things you do. I mean, I was in the car with my buddy Omar. And, uh, and, and all he, of your black friends yeah. have the blackest <laughs> names. And that's racist of me to say uh, Omar, as well. Omar and our daughters went to, or were good friends. Yeah. So one day I'm walking. I just walked to the weed store. Yeah. And uh, I was walking back and I was walking by our daughter's school and we had to go by our school and he was in his car and I hadn't seen him in a while. He'd been in uh, Louisiana shooting a movie and I just go, Hey, what's up? He's like, what are you doing? I said, nothing. I just got in his car. I just I got in his car. Yeah. Uh, and no, I would never think twice of getting in a person's car. Sure. And, uh, and he's like, shit. And I go, what? And he goes, we're getting fucking watched. And I was like, what? What? And he goes, there's a cop across the street in an undercover car that's watching us. And it's because you just got my car. I go, hold on. And like, by the way, this is white privilege all over him. I'm just like, that motherfucker thinks he's going to look at us because I got in your car? Fuck that dude. And Omar's like, dude, if I'm not mistaken, you have a ton of drugs in your hand and you just got my car. And he was like, time to go. And so Omar pulled off. By the way, we're waiting to pick up our kids. And I'm like... And he's waiting to pick up his kids. I'm going to meet my wife who's waiting up there. And I'm like, wait, where are you going? And he's like, I'm going to drive around the block. Get the fuck out of here. And I'm like, Omar, you're being so black right now. And he's like, you have no idea what could fucking happen to me. And it's, it, but it's a two friends talking. Yeah. We talked about this last night at the bar. It was two friends talking about a moment. And he's like, you, you're being very insensitive to me being black right now. Right. And I'm like, this isn't, this can't be real. And he's like, it's very real. This is my reality. Yep. And, and it was like a great moment. Dude, I... I, Omar's been a, a lot of I'm very lucky I think I'm, I, I say that very often I'm very lucky to have um, friends who are in like the situation with you know you're very vocal about the Me Too and, and about women's rights and stuff and then Omar is very vocal about Black Lives Matters and I'm very lucky to have friends 
in as as what people would assume as me is looking like an oppressor uh, i'm very lucky to have friends that i can just hang out and talk to like this yeah because i don't think everyone has that i think everyone's kind of in their own bubble and they see shit on tv or they read shit online and they don't get the opportunity to have the conversation or even listen to it or, or hear both sides of it yeah and that's why i love having this fucking podcast thank god i mean you're a, a, like a super valuable friend to me because i go i can always bounce things off you when i go oh Hey, well, you know, and you, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But likewise, man, because I think you're right. You're, you say you're acknowledging that, like, you're not perfect when it comes to all of this stuff, but you also, you give me perspective of the fact that, like, when I can get mad at men for behaving the way they do, it's like, you honestly don't have a choice based on how you were raised and who you are. Like, there is, I do have some empathy there and you can't not have it because if I were you, I'd be the same way. Or if I was, you know, like you're right about put a, giving some perspective on the Kevin Hart thing from where he came from. It's honestly a pretty progressive Dude, his dad, uh, bit his dad to was do. A, his dad was a crack addict. His <laughs> dad mean, left him, left him and his brother and yeah. his mom to fend for themselves a crack addict. And, and Kevin grew up in Philly. Like that's we're, like, we're talking maybe like, if you're if you're growing up as a young black kid in the projects, top ten scariest cities to grow up in. Yeah, and that's all we got out of him was a couple tweets. I mean, and they're not good. And by the way, no, I can't defend the fucking the one about not wanting his son to be gay. Oof. Not that introspective. Not Just, great. Not the best thing to tweet. However, having said that, it was it was a tweet. It was a t- whatever. I I just say I think Kevin's a really great guy. Yeah. I, knowing him, I think he's a very sweet guy. Mm-hmm. He's a hard worker, and I think he wants the world to laugh together. And I don't think, I don't think he is a, a racist, a sexist, a misogynist. And I don't think he's homophobic. Personally, right. I don't think he's homophobic. He probably has some tendencies of of being like, whatever. But but when you grow up thinking that that's the worst thing you can be, which he probably like his family and his friends. I mean, Dude. like that's when you grow up thinking, you know, there are people that are in cults and then they get out of them and they're still have struggle struggles with like breaking free of that kind of mentality. When you grow up around a certain mentality, which is gay people are bad and they choose to be gay and all these things like that shit's deep Dude, and it's hard to lose. And, and Kevin's, you well, can't he's, blame he's him for turning it. 40. Sometimes. But, I mean, you know, I think people forget, People in today's society forget that we were the ch- children where AIDS was introduced to. Oh yeah, where it, AIDS came up when we were kids, and there were. I had two uncles that had AIDS, and you were not allowed near them. Wow, you weren't allowed Ugh. near them. Don't get near them. Don't. It, they, you don't want to get AIDS. Yeah, and that that stigmatizes a lot of children's brains. Of course, and Kevin grew up in in the projects during the AIDS epidemic. I yeah. mean, dude, junkies were getting in, and so I mean, I don't know. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and try to defend Kevin because I'm not defending him. I'm just saying, like, the point of the fingers isn't working. I, I, I think what we're getting at though is like exposure. Like, you need to be, you need, we need to talk to people and be around people that are different than us, that we're scared of, or we're scared of offending. Put yourself in front of them, offend them, let them tell them, to, tell you to your face that you're being offensive and why. Yeah, I want. And listen, I, one of my, I've wanted Lindy West on my podcast for oh, a I long time. I love Lindy West so much. I've learned so much from her. I've, but. You imagine being me and learning stuff where you're like I mean did you read her book Shrill I, no I didn't I really recommend it really oh my god it's I love so her good. writing she's and I, a fantastic writer and her book Shrill 
Um, I think A.D. Bryant is starring in like the TV adaptation. But Who's the, A.D. Bryant? I know A.D. Bryant. Uh, from SNL. Um, Ooh, she's I also love, in, I feel, I she's Bryant. so good. But um, Lindy Westbrook Shrill really taught me a lot. Um, and I recommend it. She did a thing on NPR where she talked about, um, it was a bunch of women, but talked about, she talked about, she's done a couple things on a, on NPR that I really loved and I enjoyed. It's my, I said this earlier, it's my problem with Twitter these days. It's become such a left-wing echo chamber where I, oh. one of the things I like about media is to hear exactly the exact opposite side of everything. Yeah. So I love hearing it. And that's why how I came to Lindy West is I was like, do I hear or I hear the meatheads. I hear the meatheads. I need to hear someone else say something. Yes. Like, and so I started, and then you take, I of, love that you're into her. Oh, dude, I tried she to get on my to podcast. She needs to be heard by more men. I would, Lindy, come on this podcast. Dude, when she, when she went up head to head with Jim Norton, yeah. I was like, dude, you got mad respect. I got, I'll give She's you a brave ton of respect. Shit. That's when yeah. I said to me myself, I was like, dude, I like this woman. Like yeah. this woman's like, I like this. I like that she's standing by her laurels and 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 saying what she's saying. And I and I go, I need more of her. And I yeah, I tried to get on my podcast. I think I reached out to her, and I think I think sometimes people problematic. And I'm not saying that Lindy did this, but I think people are so party affiliated and so lines drawn in the sand where they don't want to hear anyone else's opinion, and they think they assume that because you look a certain way that you'll have a horrific opinion. And you're like, no, no, I just want to have a conversation. No. I'll never bring a person on my podcast to She'd fight with them. She'd be great on this and you'd be great with her. I, yeah. I've, I like that you're, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down. You're, you're woke, Bert. I'm not woke. I'm not woke. I'm just. You're woke. You're woking up. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, you have two daughters. I mean, and you're trying, you're just, but you're, you're, you're a good guy. And it's, it's nice to have these conversations with you about this stuff because um, we, I feel I really relate to you and feeling like I'm kind of stupid when I, I say offensive things all the time. And you, the fact that you asked that girl, like explain a cultural appropriation to me because I don't get it. So many people don't get it. Oh, I'm already, it's, it's the, it's the, I don't get it sometimes. Now I do more from hearing that. It's the crazy thing about once you look like a monster, like I look like a monster these days Yeah, this is what monsters look like. Cause they just got oh, yeah. beards and they're white and they're yeah. fat and they, and they and they just walk past through life blowing past everyone's emotions like classist as fuck like i go when you look like a monster you kind of get a, you these days you get a little bit of a pass to be able to ask the monster questions and go like hey can you explain that to me and they're like oh yeah 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 like yeah. i know I, t- I totally get that you would never understand that like as opposed to when <laughs> that's the problem is like when you claim to be woke and you go no i get it it's it's i, I look and by the way, I'll say this out loud. I'm team Lena Dunham these days because because she, <laughs> the poor young lady, got put in this idea of like I'm I'm in the woke generation. I'm a, a lighthouse for what's right, and she's just a regular person. She was just a regular person, so anything she did was like shine a light on what a horrific human being she's the worst i go no she just doesn't look like the monster she's a regular person she's yeah. a regular person yeah dude, they did an article on her that i oh man did you the most recent oh one? my god i loved it so much oh my god there's i pulled a line out of it that i read every Please now and then let me hear what it's line my you favorite fucking line because this speaks more to every single person in this world I love her too. I I cut it. Ah, and you have it, it in, in my your phone. notes. 
race is a chronic blind spot for lena Dunham. oh this the woman that wrote this she didn't grow up with a lot of diversity in her new york city private school i just was like yeah it's a chronic blind spot for everyone yes it's a chronic blind spot for everyone but that's essentially it it's like she doesn't didn't even have a choice she was raised in a place where she didn't she wasn't exposed enough to thank god like yeah i don't know it's I love that you love that article too. I love it. I like. Oh I, no! I always say I have a bit these days where I say this. I know I'm not brand friendly. Like I know what you think I am. I'm not that guy. I'm a regular person. Like there are things that I go like I, when I say that I go. I don't mind outrage. Like outrage is real. Some people are outraged when you offend their religion or their beliefs or their or if you offend them. In a, I go. What I don't like and is false outrage i don't like fake outrage and i don't like when people get outraged for other people on behalf of someone oh right i go get outraged. i'm cool with you outraged do you, you get outraged about anything i don't think so Mm-mm. yeah i mean I, i'm i have to keep it in check sometimes. oh i'm sorry yeah, yeah. i definitely get outraged what? uh when people uh, are going up over Laurel Canyon yeah. and they go into the turn lane all the way up to the front and then just cut into the front. I oh. hate, I, I get, I'm a, this is one of the things they said, Leanne said about me. I'm a big rule follower, especially when it comes to traffic. I'm a big rule follower with lines. If people, when people cut lines, I sizzle inside. Well, what about when you're, go to the airport and you're running late, right? Yeah. And there's a huge line to check your bags and it's 45 minutes before your flight or it's yeah. an hour and you know that like me personally or another person you like something something in your day has just gone wrong and you're late. Do you ever go? Do you ever appeal to the line and say, may I please cut in front? I'm so sorry. My flight is late. I hate that I'm doing this, but I need to cut the line. Or if you're in that line, do you ever feel bad for that person that's clearly very late and just had a bad morning and do you let them go? I don't have any problem with anyone who's running late. I go, if, I, if I'm if i there early, of course, please go. Yes. Please go, 100%. I have set my life up so that, that that will never happen to me. Really? I am, first of all, I am, this. you, you saying this gave me so much anxiety, internal anxiety. I know. Because I am, I'm clear, I only fly American, I'm the top of the list of of priority on American and I only fly first class so that if any of this ever happens I'm in the either priority lane TSA pre-check clear I'm on one of those lanes I'm in all those too and it's happened to me oh my have god have you gone out of JFK recently that that priority line is backing up it oh, is oh, oh, a oh, long oh, okay. priority line line and if you don't get your bags checked 45 minutes before your flight they ain't getting on the flight and you ain't getting on that flight and I've I've played it too cool, being like I'll be f- priority. There's no one there, yeah. And then it's backed up, and you're you're screwed. Oh, I I get there. I get to, I always get to the airport two hours ahead of time. I'm gonna. I, that's what I'm. I'm going going back on that plan because I've been I've cutting it too close because I've had that clear and that TSA pre, and I think I'm I, I'm good to go. And I've missed I've missed a couple flights lately because I've it's embarrassing. I am hardcore. That like that. I have no problem. Well, I'll tell you. What, I'll tell you what my what gives me anxiety right now is i'm in a group that i board in a different entrance than everyone else oh, you... so i go through a different entrance how did you get that you gotta you gotta fly a lot like everyone goes oh i fly a lot oh uh-huh, uh-huh. okay i fly a lot your flagship oh yeah okay and so but can you pay for flagship uh-uh. what uh-uh. you gotta be invited you gotta be invited yeah 
And so, oh, so I'm dying for that flagship entrance. So the other day, what goes on in there? Uh, yeah, it's snacks. pretty nice. It's pretty nice. Are to- you greeted by snacks immediately? I, I'm greeted with by Tony. Tony Shut says hi to me every day. Up. What's up, Bert? How you doing, Tony? I've had him out to the store, introduced him to all the guys. Oh yeah. my god, Tony's the best. And uh, what a dream! And then does someone like take you to security? So Tony will walk me up, and then walk me uh, to the front of the line. And then he'll, he, when, when I go, I drop my bags off, then he takes my ID and my boarding pass and he walks me to the front of the line, shows it to them with his badge and they, and then he goes in front of everyone that's putting their bags on and then puts his bag on, puts my bag on for me, takes my jacket, puts my jacket on. I give him a hug. I go, I'll see you next week. Oh my God. I can't wait. How have you... One have you time, just been on the road for are you not ne- you never take a break from the road how do you I get all these miles the i never take okay. a road. and I travel channel that. travel channel was ridiculous okay travel channel was travel channel was the and and here's the other big big caveat is i fly you know every year i fly europe australia asia whatever okay. for stand-up and i fly first class so i pay those so you, i pay the tickets that are the ridiculous price tickets. I I pay for them. I'm gonna get there. And then once you do that, then then I think you gotta you gotta a lot of what status is on the airlines these days is is flying with money, like paying for the actually paying for it. Yeah, yeah. actually paying for it. I went up one time through through security, and uh, I I I won't say it's Tony. I don't know who it was, but uh, this woman he walked me to the front of the line, and this woman said, um, "I'm sorry, where do you think you're going?" And he goes, "Oh, I'm sorry." He, I'm moving him to the front of the line. She goes, this is the first class line. And he goes, yeah, I know. He flies a lot. And she goes, I fly a lot. And he goes, uh, he flies so much, I know his name. And he goes, do I know your name? And she went, no. And he goes, that's how much he flies. And then he walked me past. I had one time. Oh, what do you feel in that moment? I, I always was, feel, when I, even when I do clear and they bring you to the front of the TSA pre, I yeah. feel like it's okay. I can just get in. Like well, I, I did clear one time. I did clear one time. And this woman, by the way, there's a weird thing that happens to women when they get older, their heads get bigger. You mm-hmm. ever notice that? Well, well, a lot of women get injections in their face that I makes think their that, heads get bigger. I think this woman did this. Yeah, that's it. And she looked like a lion. And yeah, so that's, a, that's a plastic surgery. She went, she went, I, the clear lady took me to the front. This was, there was a period where I stopped going through, uh, I stopped going through flagship because I was like, I was like, you know what? I feel like, I just feel like, I felt like I was losing touch with being a regular traveler. Sure. In my head, I was like, I'm losing touch with. I'm, and what? It's an extra five minutes. I'm gonna wait in line. Let's and, just and get back to And sometimes I was like, I was like, you know what? I feel like I feel bad. I, I've, you know, it's embarrassing. And so I, but then I, and then I got <laughs> clear, and I, because I was doing. It, oh, the other thing is, um, I, I say this also is that I used to always go through Terminal Four. Where flagship yeah. is, and then American overtook Terminal Five. Yeah, and there's a clear there, so I go through clear, and this woman goes, "Excuse me, uh, where do, where why is he going to the front of the line?" And the woman goes, "Oh, he's clear." She goes, "I know, but we're waiting in line." And he goes, "I know, but he pays." I said, and then I said to her, "She goes, what is that?" And I said, "Ma'am, you can pay for it as well. It's just a service you pay for, so that when when you get to the airport, uh, you can go to the front of the line." And I said, "It's open to everyone. I just have purchased it." I go, "It's called clear." You should check into it. Yeah. And so then, and I wasn't being rude. No one was being rude to her. And then we get our bags and she goes, so we get our bags. It's been now two minutes since we've spoken and we get to the other side and she goes, so you're telling me that if I pay for a service, I can be absolutely rude to everyone. And I went, excuse me. I go, I'm sorry. Was I rude to you? And she goes, no, you weren't. But like three people did that in front of you. And I was like, I know, but that wasn't me. Those were three what? people in front of me. 
She goes, I know, but after the th- fourth one, it starts to build up and you're going to get this. And I went, yeah, but I thought I was really respectful to you. And, and her husband's like, is she's having a rough day. And I go, and in my head, I was like, it's not my fault. Like, I, you can buy the service too. Yes, yes. I know exactly what you're, t- I, but I always feel that way doing clear because sometimes the line is short and you cut in front of a short line sometimes just, it's one person you just get in front of the one person, person and i go this isn't necessary. Yeah, this I'm isn't worth it. it this isn't it's worth the not war worth it at all they don't have weapons of mass destruction let's go <laughs> dude chris porter saw me one time because here's my other thing is i like to be first on the plane i like to get on first yeah and i board i'm the very first person on the plane nice and also what happens by the way this is we're talking, we are talking first world problems. What happens is when you clump around, some people don't fly all the time. So they think, okay, if we get in line, we'll get on first. And you're like, that's not how it works. No. They board by class. Mm. And then the right side of the gate, that's for priority. The left, left side, side of the gate is for people who did not want to pay extra money or don't fly all the time. Yeah. And so Chris Porter heard me in Chicago. There's a huge line of people. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Is this first class? Is this the first class line? Because it's clumped up. And You're just like, trying to. I'm just trying to go be like passive aggressive. Of get, like, there's a separate line, guys. No, no. What I was trying to do was go. I'm explaining why I'm getting in front of you now. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah I'm like, yeah. I'm like, is this the first class line? They're like, no, there's no. I said, is this the is this first class line? And I did this to like seven people because they're all clumped around with the first class line. And Chris Porter just goes, "We get it. You're flying first class, Bert." Uh, and everyone <laughs> looks at me, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> no, I know dude. what you're. Do- I know what you're doing. Yeah, dude, there's oh. a separate line, and people don't acknowledge it. It's and if you fly a lot, you're like, "Come on!" Like, yeah, it's just. But if you don't fly a lot, you can't blame someone for not knowing oh, information. God, are so Nikki, I could literally talk to you. I know. All I know. Fucking, we gotta go. I gotta get you out of here. Yeah. It's we've done like two hours yeah that's insane um, yeah and I, I know the girls want to say how do you before yeah. they get fucking lost into shit um you i everything you're doing i love Thanks, everything bert. you're doing i love uh, thank you bert i look to you a lot i'm like i want bert kreischer's life <laughs> i want your career i want your life i really do i talk about you all the time i'm like when people are like what do you want i'm like Burt Kreischer like how did he get that <laughs> he seems happy he gets to work out of his house he has a family who he loves and who loves him I want it I want in I want to have competitions with my friends where we give me your tinder for one week or your bumble what's the hot one that you guys use oh Raya Raya that's the one you uh, gotta be invited the celebrities to are on. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh my god do you realize who I'd, sw- I'd swipe for you? I'd be like, David Spade, swipe. <laughs> In a fucking heartbeat. Let's go on a date with him. Let's do dub- I'm too let's, old for him. Let's do double dates. Let's do double dates where um, we'll get you Raya dates and then I'll, me and Leanne will go with you guys. I would love it. And then we'll just like, and I'll be like, Leanne, we got a Raya date. Nikki's going out with, uh, with Liam Neeson. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I try to say Liam Schreiber. I'm obsessed with that guy. Oh, I watched man. him fuck on Ray Donovan the other night, and I was like, oh, <laughs> show his dick, please. Oh, man, I got to check that out. God. Um, uh, your your show. Yeah, I have a show on Sirius late. every day, uh, You Up. Um, it is from up 10 to t- up late. Sounds good, too. But it's the morning show every day from 10 to 12 Eastern By the way, on all the boys you have on there, and I say boys. Yeah, they're boys. I, dude, I love those guys. They're so great. They love you. It's so much fun. Ian, Tom, Andrew. Andrew is one of my favorite dudes. I don't even really know Andrew. Yeah. But Andrew is one of my favorite dudes because I follow him 
through your Insta, Instagram. He's so funny. He Andrew cheers Collins. me up so much. Oh, I'm I'm like slowly falling in love with the guy because I'm like everything he does is just silly and it's just for fucking comedy's sake. He is. I just turn my camera on him and he delivers he's gold. He's so hilarious. Hilarious. He's my best friend. And, and Ian, he's like Ian. The last time was talking about glory holes and I said a line in there that I used in San Francisco. Really? Uh, this must be just for guys that are into the smell of cedar. <laughs> but uh yeah yeah ian fidance tom takar andrew collin those are my boys and uh yeah great, we have a lot of fun great, on that great, you have a really uncanny ability of finding great dudes to hang out Thank with you. i don't know why that hasn't translated into your love life well eventually because they're really all great guys Thank great you. comics and and uh yeah i absolutely love you i love you bert Thank awesome. you. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.